Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. From our friends. 77 WABC. Sid Hollywood Rosenberg, better known as Sidney Hollywood Rosenberg, because of all the big screen attention he's getting now, Gemini Lounge, and then featured in Gravesend. The guy is heading off to the Hollywood Hall and Walk of Fame, and, uh, He stood up for me on the Lawrence Jones cross-country show at Fox News Channel airing on Saturday night. People were saying, the man is standing up for you. The man is testifying. The man is speaking on your behalf. I mean, Curtis Lieber did something a couple of weeks ago, Lawrence. It would have made you cry. He was in Central Park, and there was a homeless person there, an American homeless person. Nobody cared about this lady. There was no Roosevelt Hotel. There was no free Xbox. There were no Yankee tickets or a bottle of wine. She laid there like a piece of garbage, and nobody cared. And that's where this city, there are a bunch of hypocrites. Again, the mayor, the state with the governor, the city council, they act like they care. They don't care because... They go back to their fancy apartments, eat their fancy dinners, and people like you and I have to walk the streets and go to work every day. We have to deal with this, not them. With the crowds in the chaos came the damage, the vandalism, and the looting. Cop cars were damaged as business fronts all around Union Square were threatened. According to the NYPD, all of it a result of chaos over free gaming system giveaways promised by Twitch streamer Kai Sinat. Our children cannot be raised by social media. Uh, our children cannot uh, get their values, their beliefs uh, from social media and other uh, outside entities. Two rec centers in Brooklyn are now being used as shelters to house asylum seekers. That decision is getting mixed reaction from the community. Dozens of people rallied outside the city's newest respite center for asylum seekers, the Sunset Park Recreation Center. The city says there are cots for up to 100 men to sleep in the gym. Asylum seekers also arrived at the McCarran Recreation Center in Williamsburg. Leaders say they were given just 24 hours notice about both centers. Every time they file an indictment, we go way up in the polls. We need one more indictment to close out this election. One more indictment, and this election is closed out. Nobody has even a chance. Talking to myself and feeling old. Sometimes I'd like to quit. Nothing ever seems to fit. Hanging around, nothing to do but frown. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. What I've got they used to call the blues. Nothing is really wrong, feeling like I don't belong. Walking around, 
some kind of lonely cloud. Rainy days and Mondays always get me down. Funny, but it seems I always wind up here with you. Nice to know somebody loves me. Funny, but it seems that it's the only thing to do. Run and find the one who loves me. Many days and Mondays, we got them both. What right now, it is a rainy Monday morning, the complete antithesis. Of what it was like yesterday morning. I, I um I contend yesterday was the nicest day of the year. It was sunny, beautiful, no humidity, highs around eighty. We spent four hours on the beach. I've got the best color I've had all year. It was a gorgeous day. Saturday nice too, but for me a bit too humid, a bit too hot. Yesterday perfect. This morning, if you're just waking up. Rainy day and Monday, like the late great Karen Carpenter was singing right there. But it ain't raining if you got us on because you know that after a very, very busy weekend, politics, local and national, sports, all that goes on, you know where to go Monday morning right here with us, sitting friends in the morning. Lou Rafino, who missed the last six shows, missed uh, Friday two weeks ago and all of last week. Went to some Fedumta Gayasha town in upstate New York. Once again, more beer, no Jews. He's uh, he's back today, and I must say that Justin Ellick, he is a uh, he's great, Justin. I mean, really great. Last week he had to get all the sound basically at night. He had some help. Two great kids, Kevin Bonk and that kid Jake, both great. But Kevin, uh, but Justin still had the really the uh, the majority of the work. So you had him doing that uh, from about 2.30 in the morning to the start of the show. Then he's producing guests. Then he's doing sports on the show, and he ran the board. And he did a really, really good job. Justin really proved his mettle and his worth last week, and he was great. But to say I didn't miss Lou would be a lie, because I did. Most shows, in fact, no matter what's going on, I start the show by talking to Lou. Could be about music, could be about a variety of things. Very rarely is it going to be Mike Pence, Bill Barr, or Donald Trump, which is good because we've got about 23 hours of that here. So I miss Lou. So Lou is uh, back today. Doesn't look any more rested, to be quite frank. Doesn't look any better than the day he left. But here he is. Welcome back. And I feel exactly as you just said. <laughs> you couldn't have put it but better. But why? What happened? I look I look like I came back from vacation. You look tired. I could tell it was a great Sunday because I've got the picture photo to prove it. Oh, this is so Lou goes to me. It's gorgeous. About 2.30 yesterday afternoon. He goes, you know what I'm doing right now? I'm looking at light fixtures. <laughs> and I said, you know what I'm doing? And I sent Lou a picture of me on my American flag chair on the beach. Looking and feeling like a million bucks, and Lou almost started to cry. I was, almost. I almost cried because <laughs> I was crying that my phone actually worked at that moment. Yeah, what happened I, with the phone? You were well, texting me was, earlier this morning. Well, that was another issue this morning. I had no internet, so I just texted you to make <laughs> yeah, sure it was okay. working. Okay. But this, 
to say disturbing is not even no, no, close. You, you, what you really want to say is hot. That's a good picture. Oh, no, you, you can add that if you want, but hot and disturbing <laughs> actually is yeah. okay. Yeah. It just, <laughs> as I'm in a Home Depot lot, I get this texted to me and I went, what, why did I come back from vacation? <laughs> yeah, look at, look at this. I mean, I can't even, I can't even describe it. It's anybody. a hot picture, it's, bro. Yeah. Hot. It, it's hot. Well, yeah, looking good. Yeah. I knew it was going to be a gorgeous day. You know, every, every now and then on a weekend day, our proud owner and boss, John Katsimatidis, he'll send me a message. He's on the beach, of course, in the Hamptons. And he'll say, oh, what a beautiful day today. What a great beach day. And he did that yesterday. So I knew we were in for a gorgeous day when I get the early Sunday morning summer text from John Katsimatidis. And, man, it was. And we had a great time on the beach. Me, my beautiful wife, Danielle, my children, Ava and Gabriel. We had uh, our dear friend, Jen Delandro. You know Jen from Dolce Aesthetics. Botox, fillers, whatever you need. She's the best in the business. She was out there with her kids as well, Victoria. She's got a daughter named Ava as well, Victoria's boyfriend, Anthony. All of us on the beach throwing the football around and out there, like I said, for about four hours. Just a great, great time. And that was our Sunday. Saturday was uh, was a pretty good day as well. We had a great dinner Saturday night at uh, one of Louis's favorite spots in Howard Beach, Lenny's Clam Bar. Love Good it. to see Joe and those guys. Do you love that place? I, I love it. There. I love it. Yeah, it's me a great too. Place. I love Lenny's. Great place. So we had dinner there on uh, on Saturday night, but I had to run home uh, by about uh, eight thirty because there was a truck parked outside my house. And you go, Sid. Okay, there was a truck. So what? Well, inside that truck happened to be. A television studio. Really? In fact, I invited my neighbor Billy Felton and his two young daughters over to see it because it's such a cool thing. It is a truck that's mobile and travels for Fox News, and there's a TV studio inside the truck. you got a chair. You've got a screen behind you. They have a bunch of choices for what screen you want behind you. I always pick the New York skyline. And there are two monitors right in front of you. One is you can see yourself, and the other is live on TV. So Lawrence Jones, well, like very, very much on Fox News, his producer, Ali Bato, reached out to me last week and said, would you like to go on Lawrence's show? Now, I've never been on a show. You guys know, of course, I do Jesse Waters relatively, um, well, monthly. I do Brian Kilmeade's show, One Nation. Never did Lawrence Jones' show before. Never met Lawrence but was all too willing to do this, so the truck came over about 8.30 on Saturday night, and I'm wearing shorts and a uh, and a sweatshirt. I run inside the house. I leave the shorts on because you can't see below my waist. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. It's kind of like a Jeffrey Tubin situation. So I'm wearing shorts, <laughs> but I put on a nice button-down, a nice jacket, and boom, the next thing you know, at about 20 after 9 on Saturday night, I got 1.3 million people watching me on television. How cool is that? Hmm. Which which monitor were you looking at? The one of the yourself? right one. The right oh, one. Okay. Remember the last time with Kilmeade? Yeah. Siegel goes, "Where are your eyes, bro?" <laughs> I'm like, "I'm looking at the wrong screen." Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> so it was a great appearance. <laughs> I look so tan. I can't <laughs> yeah. look at my look at me. <laughs> <laughs> I actually spent a lot of time on that appearance talking about Curtis Sliwa, who's going to join me at seven o five. Because right before I came on, Lawrence played a video of Curtis Sliwa. And Dr. Mark Siegel, both are on this show today, Curtis 705, Dr. Mark Siegel 905, in front of the Roosevelt Hotel. This was the day when the migrants were still outside. 
before they put him inside and shipped a bunch to Queens. And it was a fascinating video. And I came on right afterwards and talked about Curtis. So uh, here is uh, some of it. This is uh, Lawrence Jones, once again, courtesy of Fox News. And here I rip the Democrats for not really caring. Lewis, this is cut number 20. You know, he's a sanctuary city, and then when they get here, he wants to be Santa. Now 100,000 in Lawrence. Now he's complaining about the federal government. He's complaining about the state and Kathy Hochul. Look, it's very simple. He's got to call out the president, Joe Biden, by name, and he's got to call out Mayorkas to stop it at the border. But you know the truth, Lawrence. He's not going to do that. And why is that? Because these people mean votes. Whether it's Mayor Adams in New York, Kathy Hochul, the city council. New York or Joe Biden, these people mean votes. They care more about that than our health and safety. And I go on to uh, talk about Curtis, uh, Curtis's warm heart on the video he put up a couple of weeks ago with the homeless lady, 110th Street in Central Park. It really was a great job by Curtis Sliwa. This, Lewis, is cut number 21. I mean, Curtis Sleewood did something a couple of weeks ago, Lawrence. It would have made you cry. He was in Central Park, and there was a homeless person there, an American homeless person. Nobody cared about mm-hmm. this lady. There was no Roosevelt Hotel. There was no free Xbox. There were no Yankee tickets or a bottle of wine. She laid there like a piece of garbage, and nobody cared. And that's where this city, there are a bunch of hypocrites. Again, the mayor, the state with the governor, the city council, they act like they care. They don't care because... They They go back to their fancy apartments, eat their fancy dinners, and people like you and I have to walk the streets and go to work every day. We have to deal with this, not them. So, uh, by the way, good morning to Heshi Organbaum listening right now on the app. I want you all to download the 77 WABC app. If you're in your car listening right now, that's okay. Download the app. Do not listen to us on the iHeart app. Listen to us on our app. It's a lot better. Download the 77 WABC app. And good morning to Heshi Organbaum listening right now in Jerusalem. He says the app sounds crystal clear. So I leave on Friday, and I have no idea what's about to happen. I was back in Queens, away from the craziness that is New York City, and I get a text. I forget exactly who sent it. Oh, it was Marianne from Brooklyn who actually called in the show on Friday after I kicked Councilperson Justin Brennan's ass on this show. And she sent me a text of a picture of what was going on in uh, Union Square. So I, be, I, I guess I learned afterwards some guy, Kai Sinat, who's a social influencer, in fact has 2 million followers, promised to hand out some free Xboxes or something, I don't know, and and a bunch of people, thousands and thousands and thousands of people showed up in Union Square. And, of course, like most Democrat rallies, because that's what it was, there was violence, there was the cop stuff, throwing stuff at the cops, there were arrests, you know, Chris Cuomo, those peaceful rallies you guys always have, which are never peaceful rallies. These were a bunch of animals. I don't know who they were, what they were, where they came from. Uh, actually, Noam, do me a favor. Here's our news director, Noam Layden. Give me the whole lowdown 
on what happened on Friday, where these people came from, why they were there, and why it looks so ugly for New York City. So Kai Sinat is one of the bigger names on the social media platform called Twitch, which is normally a gaming platform where you watch other people play video games. And it's a hugely popular platform among teenagers and 20-somethings for that matter, maybe even older. Uh, he does this thing that's a, a chat thing where he just talks, but he's huge. It's big. 90,000 people pay him five ninety nine a month to watch him. You can watch him for free, but if you pay that five ninety nine, Sid, you can uh, communicate with him. Yeah. My son so, actually has watched some of his stuff for free. Yeah, and and here I am calling these people animals, and he's and whoever this guy Kai is, he's no good. And, and Gabe goes, Daddy's actually kind of funny. Uh, he is funny. Uh, you know, he started off in the Bronx, and he had no followers, and he started off by just uh, filming his life living in this apartment with rats and cockroaches. And then, for whatever reason, he just hit big, and now he's got millions upon millions of followers. And so what he wanted to do, he said it was innocent enough that he wanted to give back to the community. So he was going to show up in Union Square on Friday afternoon with 350 PlayStations and a whole bunch of other electronics uh, now equipment. Now, how would he possibly get... 350 PlayStations that he rented a truck? How was he going to do that? I, he just paid for them. No, no, but how, how was he going to carry them? I, I, I think he was going to cart them in in a truck. That part I don't know, but okay. I assume it was going to come but, in. But, 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 he, but he did show up. Where were the Xboxes? So he was he did show up, but it was such a crazy scene by the time he showed up. I mean, there was already thousands of teenagers, his followers, his fans who were there. And it had already turned nutty, like people had gone, broken into this construction site right around the Union Square uh, subway station. And they were throwing stuff at other kids there, at police officers who were trying to control the crowd. So he kind of raced in, saw what was going on, got back into the SUV that brought him in there. Kids were hanging on to that SUV because they Jesus. wanted to meet him. He drove out. Kids fell off of this SUV oh onto God. the street. I mean, it was a crazy scene. But the, but then didn't he get arrested? He did. He was arrested, uh, charged with uh, inciting a riot, uh, right. unlawful assembly. The police basically said, "Hey, if you would just come to us and said, I want to do this event in Union Square and give away free PlayStations,' they said we would have set up barriers and you would have had this great event where you handed them out." But he told nobody what his plans were, and you know how social media is. When kids learned he was going to be there, it's, it was shared everywhere, millions of times, and that's why all of a sudden you had this huge crowd of kids hoping to get a free something, PlayStation or some form of other electronic equipment. Kind of funny that uh, Kai Sinat was arrested for inciting a riot, but Jack Smith couldn't find a way to attach that to his latest indictment of Donald Trump on January 6th, which, of course, Donald Trump incited nothing. Well, thank you for that, Noam. So the sure. mayor, Eric Adams, spoke about it afterwards, and you would have thought he called out some of these kids, some of these animals, and and said, hey, look, we just weren't prepared. Whether we knew about it or not, we weren't prepared. But, of course, he didn't do that. Instead, he gave us a lesson on parenting. Now, now, to Mayor Adams' point, he's right. He's right. A lot of these kids out of there causing all this damage, their parents don't even know where they are. He's 100% right. But his job is not to tell us about parenting. His job is to protect everybody in this city, make sure we're prepared for the worst of times. So while, again, Eric Adams is right, and it's very nice that he called his son Jordan, that's all very, very nice, that's not his job, not to tell me or anybody else how to parent. But if you missed it, here's your mayor after a complete melee in New York City telling us how to be a good mommy and or daddy. Cut number 18.
Our children cannot be raised by social media. Uh, our children cannot uh, get their values, their beliefs uh, from social media and other uh, outside entities. There you have it. He's right. 100% right. Not his job. Okay. Uh, let's get to the biggest news story of the day, though. That's Donald Trump. So it turns out the DOJ is asking to impose this protective order by 5 p.m. today. I'm going to go back to Noam one more time here. One of Trump's big-time attorneys, Alina Haba, the very attractive Alina Haba. She's been on news all weekend long. She will join me live at 8.40 this morning. Noam, that protective order, is this about, uh, are they worried, the, uh, the, the prosecution here, that Donald Trump is going to go out and actually, on social media, in interviews, reveal what's going on, including stuff that is uh, inside that indictment? That's part of it. But the other part is Jack Smith He feels he like he is being threatened by the former president. So Trump posted on social media, quote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. And Good. that may be what prompted him to put this protective order in place. Good. I'm glad uh, Donald Trump said that, and I hope he does. Jack Smith is a lowlife. Just look at him. You, you can just see what a lowlife he is. In fact, uh, Donald Trump, my guy, my man, was in Alabama on Friday night. Alabama. And he says the DOJ waited to file these indictments all at once because they know now he's got a real chance to win. Lewis, live from Alabama, this is Donald Trump, cut number two. As an example, every one of these... Many fake charges filed against me by the corrupt Biden DOJ could have been filed two and a half years ago. They didn't want to do it two and a half years ago. They wanted to wait, and they did wait. They waited right to the middle of an election, and they waited until I became the dominant force in the polls because we're dominating everybody, including Biden, in the polls. And then they filed them all, every one of them, all at essentially one time, including local DAs and AGs and even other cases, right in the middle of the campaign. It's funny. He, uh, he makes a joke about all these indictments. So far, he's been right. Every time Donald Trump gets indicted, more donor money comes in. His lead over both Ron DeSantis and Joe Biden seems to lengthen another indictment joke out of Alabama on Friday night. Lewis, Donald Trump. Cut number eight. Every time they file an indictment, we go way up in the polls. We need one more indictment to close out this election. One more indictment, and this election is closed out. Nobody has even a chance. We've already defeated the Republicans. There are two and three and one. Well, the good news, Mr. Trump, is, Mr. President, that indictment is coming, according to Alina Hubble, who once again will join us at 840 this morning. The Fulton County DA in Atlanta, Georgia, is ready to indict President Trump. So you need one more? Well, the good news is, it's on the way. Big Monday guest list, folks. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Lee Zeldin, Alina Hubble, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Roger Stone. Rainy days and Mondays tend to get people down, except... When you're listening to Sid and Friends in the morning, only right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. The only thing to do, run and find the one who loves me. What I feel is come and gone before. No need to talk it out. 
Friends in the morning, 77 WABC. On March 17th, Hunter accidentally admits that it was his laptop from hell. The next day, DA Alvin Bragg indicts President Trump. June 8th, an FBI document is released showing that the Ukrainians paid the Biden crime family millions and millions of dollars. The next day, the Mar-a-Lago raid and the Mar-a-Lago indictment. Last week, Hunter Biden's sweetheart plea deal fell through when the judge realized it had blanket immunity. The following day, a superseding indictment against Donald Trump. July 31st, Devin Archer goes to testify in front of the House. That was only after they failed to put him in jail prior to the fact. What happens the next day? The January 6th indictment that we're here for today. This is not a coincidence. This is election interference at its finest against the leading candidate right now for president. President Donald Trump was there Friday night, played a couple of cuts already. We'll give him one more, being that you played this classic hit. Here's uh, Donald Trump talking about how when he wins in 2024, he's going to kick Biden's ass out. Sweet home Alabama, baby. Lou Rapino, Donald Trump, cut number five. And we will completely finish the job. We are going to do something that's going to be so incredible. On Election Day 2024, we're going to evict crooked Joe Biden from the White House. We're going to expel the criminals and thugs from the halls of power in Washington, D.C., and we are going to make America great again. All right. So yesterday morning... I get up, and I knew we had a big beach day ahead of us, and I explained last segment how great it was. 
But I didn't want to go for breakfast. There are times I like to go for breakfast. I know George Liberato's, my dear buddy driving in right now, the Oasis Diner, Flappish Avenue, Brooklyn. We love it there. Every now and then the last stop in our neighborhood. But really, Oasis is our favorite diner. But I wasn't in the mood to go out yesterday because I wanted to get going and get to the beach. So Danielle offered to make breakfast, and she's a great cook, my wife, great cook. Now, the kitchen isn't completely done yet, which Cliff and the guys will be there today. This is still going on. We are still working on the house. We're almost done, but not yet. There is still a huge dumpster in my driveway filled with boxes and all kinds of stuff. So Danielle ended up making omelets for the both of us, some English muffins with cream cheese, coffee. It was a great, great breakfast. And we were watching TV. And it just so happened Jane Pauley was on. Now, I'm not a huge fan of that show anymore. I like Jane. She's been around a 1,000 years Classy, elegant, nice lady. But that show is liberal, you know, to a fault. It wasn't really like that. At least I don't remember it being like that. When, uh, what was his name, the guy with the bow tie all those years? Osgood. What was Charles Osgood? Osgood? What was his first name? Charles. Yes. Thank you, Lewis. <laughs> Charles Osgood did that show, and I loved it because at the end they show these babbling brooks and rivers, and the photography is just gorgeous. But now it's uh, really, really liberal. So they had fat Chris Christie on, and I had this conversation with Morano this morning, and he was complaining, why does anybody give Chris Christie any attention? Right now he's polling at 1.8%. That is not bad. That's pathetic. And I said, why do we give anybody attention outside of two guys, Trump and DeSantis? I think Vivek Ramaswamy, who was on Lawrence Jones right before me on Saturday, is getting 9%. So if you want to add him, fine. But I don't care who it is. Mike Pence, Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Fat Chris Christie, they're all a waste of time. Now, Frank made the argument Mike Pence becomes important because he's mentioned in the indictment January 6th. Bill O'Reilly has said the same thing. I am telling you, it doesn't matter. Mike Pence can testify until the day is long. Him and Bill Barr, it doesn't matter. Mike Pence is a backstabbing et tu brute. Don't tell me he's a fine American, a religious man. He's a, he is a backstabbing jerk. That's what Mike Pence is. He was plucked from obscurity in Indiana. No one knew who the hell this guy was. Donald Trump made this guy vice president, and now he is stabbing Trump at every opportunity. I don't care what Donald Trump told him to do. Just don't do it. Fine. But don't bitch and complain about it and now go out there for a month after month and then and, and take Trump to the woodshed and now even possibly testify. What kind of backstabbing putts is Mike Pence, great American, my ass? But Christie, he's really a loser. So he was also uh, on CNN this weekend. But these cuts are from uh, CBS Sunday Morning, the show I just mentioned with uh, Jane Pauley. And Christie is talking about debating Donald Trump. Now, just so you know, the first debate is only a couple of weeks away. The first Republican debate comes your way August 23rd, and right now Donald Trump has no plans to go, nor should he. He's got a 37-point lead, a 37-point lead. Now, would I like to see Trump there? Sure. Why not? In the spirit of competition, and Trump is also very entertaining, I'd love to see Trump there. But he's up 37. He doesn't have to go. But Christie, I'd love to debate Trump. I'm sure you would, Fatso. Chris Christie, cut number nine.
Are you ready? Uh, Bob, I was born ready, babe. What are you going to say to Trump face to face? Depends on what he says. I can guarantee you I'm going to tell him the truth for 90 minutes because yeah. the truth matters. And I think Republican voters need to hear the truth. Right. Well, what's the truth? Did you call for the traffic on the George Washington Bridge? Or did your people do it without even telling you? Either way, you come out like a loser and a liar. So what's the truth there, Chris Christie? Stop worrying about everybody else's truth. What about yours? Are the beaches closed or not? Oh, the beaches closed for me, but you, you fat bastard, you can sit there in your lounge chair all day long, right? Who the hell are you to call out anybody else? you got to be kidding me. Here he goes on talking about, uh, well, oh, the question was asked, this is unbelievable, whether he'll return to Trump's inner circle, as if Donald would have him back. It's not Christie's decision. It's Trump's decision. And I know Christie was there in 2016 and 2020, but believe me, he can never, ever, ever get back into Trump's inner circle, no matter what he says. But here's his answer, cut number 10. But let's say he wins the presidency again. A lot of voters might wonder, would Christie come back to Trump's inner circle? No, no, not a chance. 100% 100% no chance. 100% okay, no great. chance. Because yeah. you've moved around a bit. 100% no chance, yeah. Bob. Take it to the bank. Yeah, like it's your call. And finally, he's got a choice word he used to describe Donald Trump. Here's Chris Christie getting tough, Lou Rapino. Cut number 11. Do you think he actually shows up for the debate? Oh, I do. Yeah. He keeps suggesting he won't. Yeah, he loves the tease, Bob. Finish the sentence for me. If Trump doesn't show up, he is a coward, complete coward. and total coward, a yellow streak so far down his back. But he might think he's elevating the rest of the field by showing up. He's elevating. I've never seen Donald Trump elevate anything okay. except for the ego factor. Right. There you go. Hi, <laughs> pot. I'm Kettle. Chris Christie talking about somebody else's ego. Frank Morano checks in. It was good to have Frank back this morning after an extended vacation. He says there's a distinction between informing voters about candidate positions and doing an overt campaign commercial for them. Frank happens to be a thousand percent right. The number is always, we'll get to the phones later on this morning, 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We'll also get our first look at traffic on this rainy Monday morning with Joe Nolan. Right now it's time for the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to my main man, my buddy John Katsimatidis. Great show every Sunday morning. The Cats Roundtable, where common sense prevails, always tells both sides of the story. Every Sunday morning, starting at 8, or listen anytime on the 77 WABC app. Here, John talks with our good buddy, Peter King. Peter King, what are you most concerned about our country? You've been a congressman for 28 years. What are you most concerned about right now for your kids and grandkids? John, I, I would say the almost total breakdown in the country between one side and the other, the way every issue seems to be divided along such bitter partisan lines. And also, even in professions like the law, which used to be more highly regarded than it is today, the lawyers, this is an adversarial business. One side fights with the other, but it was always done within certain rules. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. 
Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update sponsored by Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTechList.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best built boilers starting here in the Bronx with the Yankees. They fall 9-7 to to the Astros in the series finale yesterday to cap off a weekend series split with Houston. Carlos Rodon was shaky yet again on the mound for New York surrendering five earned runs over two and two-thirds innings pitched before leaving the game with left hamstring tightness and relieved by Johnny Brito. Keep an eye out for an update on Rodon. Gleyber Torres highlighted the night on offense for the Yankees with his first inning solo shot to put New York up early. But despite the good flow of offense, the pitching couldn't hold Houston at bay and route to the loss. Bombers head out to Chicago now to open a three-game set with the White Sox starting tonight at 8-10. By the way, uh, that was after a spectacular performance by Nesta Cortez yes. on Saturday, out-pitching Justin Verlander. Yeah, and that was uh, Cortez's return off the I.L., so a big-time return out of Nasty and Nestor. Gary Cole taking the hill tonight, 8-10 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. First pitch against Chicago's Dylan Assis. As for the Mets in Baltimore, they got blanked 2 to nothing by the Orioles in the series finale yesterday and get swept over the weekend by the American League's best in the process. New York got diced up and down by starter Kyle Bradish and the Baltimore bullpen, registering just four hits on their way to an uninspiring loss. They're on a flight next to Chicago. Chicago as well to take on the Cubbies for a three-game set starting tonight at 7-10. Uh, Senga getting the ball against Chicago's Drew Smiley. And very early yesterday morning, uh, Team USA made a very early exit out of the Women's World Cup after a 5-4 penalty shootout defeat to Sweden in the round of 16. The U.S. entered the tournament as the reigning two-time defending champion, but was shocked by Sweden and wrapped to being bounced at its earliest stage ever. So... <laughs> Big-time choke job out of the ladies out there in the Women's World Cup. Real life football to look forward to this weekend. American football, Giants at Lions on Friday, Jets at Panthers on Saturday. Giants are opening up their preseason schedule. Sports, sponsored by Pete Morgan at Peerless Boilers. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com, PavilionTankless.com to find a dealer near you. They're the world's best-built boilers, and I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. If you've had an accident, trust Gabo Law, personal injury and medical malpractice attorneys with decades of experience who will provide the attention you deserve and deliver the best possible results in the shortest amount of time. Gabo Law has recovered millions for their clients and will be able to help you. But don't take our word for it. Read all of their five-star reviews from former clients on Google, Avo, and Facebook. Call Gabo Law today at 800-560-0214 for a free consultation or email at Info at GobbleLaw.com. Gobble Law, where winning is no accident. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. One day our children's children will read American history. And can you imagine our reading that James Madison or Thomas Jefferson tried to overthrow the government? They did, moron. So they could stay in power. That's what we're looking at. We're looking at American history.
How soft. And could you imagine if Madison or Jefferson tried to overthrow the government? So my, my good buddy Carrie Lake, the lovely Carrie Lake, who also got robbed. Talk about elections being rigged. She got robbed out in Arizona. She said on Instagram, uh, yeah, I know that because I actually went to class in the first grade. So <laughs> here's a guy that's on MSNBC every morning. Joe and Mika sit there like they're the smartest two people in the world, two jackoffs, them and Willie Geist and Mike Barnacle. And here's Al Sharpton. Could you imagine if that happened? Well, it did happen. Al. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> you moron. God, is he a moron? He's a racist and a moron. Where is Inez Dickens? Oh, she lost to Yusef Salam, but she yelled at me when I said bad things about Al Sharpton on MLK Day filling in for John Katzmatidis. So you heard the Eagles there, and it reminds me of when Lou started his vacation six weeks ago. It was a uh, Thursday I'd done his last show, and later that Thursday, Randy Meisner, the guy that started the band, the Eagles, died at the age of 77. Now, how did I know that? Well, Lou who's always thinking about the show, even when he's taking off a lot, he uh, <laughs> he sent me a text, and he said Randy Meisner died, the guy that started the Eagles. And that, of course, gave us a whole bunch of material the very next morning. So I wanted to thank you. I haven't seen or, or, well, I did talk to you, but I haven't seen you since then. Thank you for thinking about the show even then. All the time. All That's the time. It. I'm about the team. You're That's all it. about the team, yes. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Poor Randy. You love the team, and you love this country. That's right. Unlike our women's soccer players. <laughs> Whoa, what those skanks. Oh, my God, what a bunch of mutts. Here is uh, Pete Morgan. He actually sent me this, and I'm going to read it at the risk of aggravating Pete, but I think he said it the way most of us would. Uh, here's a text. It reads like this. I got it yesterday morning. Filthy mutts. <laughs> Five of them sang the national anthem. Only five, including Alex Morgan, Julie Ertz, who happens to be the wife of Zach, the uh, the tight end of the NFL who won the Super Bowl with the Eagles. Lindsey Horan, Trinity Rodman, happens to be Dennis Rodman's daughter, and Emily Fox. Those five, once again, Morgan, Ertz, Horan, Rodman, and Fox were the only ones that sang the national anthem. The rest of this team, led by that horrible anti-patriot Megan Rapinoe, hate this country. So why would anybody in this country root for these women? I know they won two straight cups, and it was a big story looking to three-peat. But if you really look at these ladies and what they stand for and how they hate this country, why would anybody be upset that we lost to Sweden yesterday? Me personally, I thought it was great. And the best part was we lost 5-4 to four in the shootout, and the one that didn't score was Rapinoe. Well, like all of them. Don't well, show. they didn't They, score, they all right, choked. Right. Like but she missed one, which was a, a bad miss. But the thing about her, she doesn't even come in until the 99th. Like, she wasn't even a good player on the team. She's 100 years old. She was just on the team for that reason right. alone. Like the, just, the, right. right. Just to just to kneel, and, and not kneel, but just to, just to piss off America. To send that message. That's why. Right. Yeah. Were you upset when they launched? No, Lewis? I left. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know what was going on. I saw I, it like when so, I woke up in the morning. I, so did I. I went, they lost. And so it was Lee her. Zeldin <laughs> is coming on today at 810, right? And you're going, well, what is Lee Zeldin coming on to talk about? Is he coming on to talk about the House Republicans or Donald Trump or maybe Santos's competition on Long Island? None of that. 
I actually reached out to Lee yesterday morning because he put up a post on Instagram about the women's soccer team. And he was really happy they lost. I mean, really happy. <laughs> Lee Zeldin. That's why it's coming on this morning. I thought it was great. Oh, tremendous. You want to hear from these, um, from these people? Well, Alex Morgan, we don't have any audio from her. We do have Julie Ertz. And once again, her husband, Zach, big time tight end. I think he's in Arizona now. Is that right, Justin? Correct. Yes. But he won the Super Bowl with the Eagles a couple of years ago. Correct. Yes. Here's uh, Julie Ertz. I feel badly for her. She does love this country. Cut number 26. It's tough. I mean, you never. Obviously, we're proud of the way that we played, but um, we didn't put anything in the back of the net. I mean, the penalties was tough as well. Um, I think for me, it's just emotional because it's probably my last game ever being able to have the honor to wear this crest. So I think it's just, you know, it's just tough. It's just tough. Like, I I feel like it's just um, an emotional time. So it absolutely sucks. I mean, Penalties are the worst. <laughs> um, but it's an honor to represent this team, and I'm excited for the future of the girls. All right, so there she is. You're clearly emotional. You kind of feel badly for her. Again, she sang the national anthem, and her husband's a big NFL star. you got to love her. But here she comes, the lady that we've all grown to hate. She was only there for three reasons, to show how much she hates this country, pride for the lesbians, and tell everybody, yeah, we're still getting paid as much as the men. Megan Rapinoe, cut number 25. Is there a memory that stands out to you right now in this moment? Oh, um. Doesn't care. I mean, equal probably pay? equal pay chance um, <laughs> after the final. Um, and I think, How about that? you know, they're saying equal pay, but could have been saying a lot of things. I think this yeah. team is always fought for so much more and uh that's been the most rewarding part for me of course playing in world cups and winning championships and doing all that but um you know to know that we've used our really special talent to do something you know that's really like changed the world forever i think that means the most to me and you know the players in this locker room here um they're just getting started, and, you know, to all the players that I've played with, obviously, um, you know, who know what it's like to be in the grind, um, that's the best part. Go home. Please, Please go home and shut up. Change the I'm world forever. <laughs> well, she did. I mean, look, to her credit, she did get equal pay for the women, and I'm okay with that because the truth is the women win. I can't tell you two names on the men's team. Go back to London, Landon Donovan or somebody or Tim Howard. They don't win. Well, unfortunately, they don't have the ratings, but the women don't get the ratings. Though. Well, I understand that, but they are great at what they do. They do bring okay. attention to the True. sport. They do win. So I have no issue with them getting equal pay. But when you just lost a heartbreaking game like that, <laughs> you would think that thing. was all that would matter. But it, right. she doesn't care. Yeah. Or like oh. the fact that she was the one who missed the penalty. Like, okay. Right. right. I, I wish I had another opportunity to get that kick again. Doesn't care. No. Again, I hate America. I love lesbians. I'm getting paid just <laughs> as much as men. I'm Megan Rapinoe. And I'll be back right after this. <laughs> Radio 77 WABC. Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Sid. 
Hollywood Rosenberg, better known as Sidney Hollywood Rosenberg, because of all the big screen attention he's getting now, Gemini Lounge, and then featured in Gravesend. The guy is heading off to the Hollywood Hall and Walk of Fame, and uh, he stood up for me on the Lawrence Jones cross-country show at Fox News Channel airing on Saturday night. People were saying, the man is standing up for you. The man is testifying. The man is speaking on your behalf. I mean, Curtis Lewa did something a couple of weeks ago, Lawrence. It would have made you cry. He was in Central Park, and there was a homeless person there, an American homeless person. Nobody cared about mm-hmm. this lady. There was no Roosevelt Hotel. There was no free Xbox. There were no Yankee tickets or a bottle of wine. She laid there like a piece of garbage, and nobody cared. And that's where this city, there are a bunch of hypocrites. Again, the mayor, the state with the governor, the city council, they act like they care. They don't care because... They go back to their fancy apartments, eat their fancy dinners, and people like you and I have to walk the streets and go to work every day. We have to deal with this, not them. sound in fact for my appearance on the Lawrence Jones Show on Fox News, which airs Saturday nights at 9 p.m. right after Brian Kilmeade's very popular One Nation show. So now they got me on Waters Kilmeade and Lawrence Jones as I continue to make uh, noise at Fox News. But I did mention Curtis there and one other time. I mentioned Curtis twice in that four-minute conversation because Curtis is the guy that uh, brings it. I also mentioned Curtis was the guy who tipped me off to a bunch of these places, including McCarran Park, where they brought migrants, illegals, to a couple of days ago. Curtis gets big ratings, noon to one, every weekday afternoon, overnights all weekend long. Arguably does his best work right here with me about 7.10 every weekday morning. Talking about ratings, July comes out at noon today. And I expect that once again, this show will do very, very well, far and away best of any news talk show here in New York City. But here he is, my guy, Curtis Sleewell. Good morning, Curtis. Wait a second. Why are you limiting yourself to New York City? It's the best in the country. Come on. <laughs> no doubt about it. And by the you way. You keep saying that. I'll mention you on every show on Fox News. Well, <laughs> that's why I mentioned <laughs> Anyway, what a weekend. The greatest weekend in my life in 69 years. Really? I scored the Trinity, the Troika, the Trifecta. First off, I want to praise Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Indians. They'll never be the Guardians to me, who came with a haymaker and knocked out Tim Anderson at second base. Pretty boy. I'm Jackie Robinson. No, you're not. I'm Jackie Robinson. Down for the count. Yeah, that was great. Knocked out. And that was, uh, of course, Tim Anderson, if you want to make it local, Josh Donaldson of the Yankees was the one who said, calm down there, pretty boy. And Josh Donaldson ended up getting suspended. Only one game, but suspended by the Yankees. So if you're a Yankee fan, Curtis, you're right. That was nice to see. And Aaron Judge didn't have his back, no. remember. Didn't no. have his back. So that, that was one. Then two, you already mentioned in Rapinoe, uh, the shootout, uh, USA <laughs> loses. Yay! 
I'm applauding. You, you ingrates. I mean, none of that, almost none of you proud to be an American. I was so, well, first off, you know me. I hate soccer to right. begin with. So do I. Uh, that fake, phony, fraudulent football they spell with a U. Kickball, kickball. I was so happy we got eliminated. I and, did mention the five ladies that do actually sing the yes, anthem, yes, yes. including, uh, Zach Ertz's wife and Dennis Rodman's daughter, Trinity. Otherwise, the rest of the team, like you said, a bunch of ingrates. But the Lawrence Jones appearance by Sid Rosenberg blew it up. First of all, when I'm on the weekends, it's always broadcasting, Curtis. I'm going around the clock. I, I think I'm on like 28 straight hours. So I don't get a chance to do any. I don't even get a chance to brush my teeth. That's why nobody comes near me, because my <laughs> breath stinks. And I got to tell you, people are calling me from all over the country. My God, this Sid Rosenberg is dedicating his whole appearance to you. He didn't mention you just once. He mentioned you twice. True story. I still haven't had a chance to see it. Hopefully today well, I'll be able to see it because part of the reason why I mentioned you twice, besides the fact that you're the most accurate guy in this town when it comes to so much of the important information, was the way he brought me in was he played a video, uh, Lawrence Jones, Fox News, Saturday night. And the video was you and him walking around together in front of the Roosevelt Hotel when the migrants, the illegals, were still outside. Then, of course, Dr. Mark Siegel, who will also join me coming up at 9.05, he was with uh, John, uh, John as well, so Lawrence Jones as well. So it was you, then Siegel, but mostly you and Lawrence Jones, and you pointed out what a mess this city Can is. Can I ask you a question about Dr. Siegel? Sure. He's a little freaky-dinky. He went to Bayside High School. Sure. You know, that's where yeah. Eric Adams went. That's true. But then he, then kept... he went to Brown University, which is all gay now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but meantime, he, when we were out there in the street, and I was treating the North Africans like it was a mosh pit. They were loving me because I was the only one who knew what countries they were from. Hey, would you like a rectal exam? <laughs> what is He didn't wrong? say that. Yes, he did. No, Curtis, stop it. What is wrong with this he guy? He actually said that? Ask him a question. He said, hey, I got a thermometer here. How about if I take your temperature rectal style? Maybe there is something to that story at Brown University. Oh, exactly. A little freaky-deaky if you ask me. But i got to tell you, there was a super spectacular appearance by Thank you, Sid. You. Uh, you know, normally you just talk Sid Rosenberg, Sid Rosenberg, Sid Rosenberg. <laughs> yeah. To be mentioned not just once, but twice. <laughs> That's true, yes. Oh, oh. You've, been, you've been on the money, and, and I tell you that... It's become almost a full-time job defending you these days, whether I get a text from Anthony or Joseph Carone or last week. You angered very, very, uh, a ton of people. But the truth is, and I mean this sincerely, all these big stories in this city, you're the only guy with balls. Your wife, your beautiful wife, Nancy, goes out, finds out information no one else has. And you're not right every time. But you've been right an overwhelming majority of the time, and I believe the American public on Fox News should know that. Let me make mention that I had warned you and your lovely wife, Danielle, you were going for your 30th wedding anniversary to Ohika Castle. And Frank Morano, the mama Luke, naturally, all he could tell you was, oh, that's where Anthony Weiner got married. And you may remember it's Bill Clinton who did the ceremony. And I looked at you and I said, what the hell is he talking about and everybody else? The owner there, Gary Melius, gets shot 
Three three shots at him right through a plate glass window. He sees his assassin, his executioner. It's on video who was the police chief at that time of the Suffolk County Police Department because that's in Huntington. Well, James Burke. No way. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Gary Melius, he wasn't going to say nothing. Snitches get stitches, end up in ditches. Well, I want to ask Ray Tierney, brand-new DA, he's got his hands filled with finding all these serial killers who decided to live in Nassau County like Ray DeMeo, a murder machine, <laughs> Roy DeMeo. You notice how nobody mentions Roy, who is featured in Gemini Land, which has a new name. What are they called? Yeah, actually, the movie is uh, Inside Man. That's the name of it. And it does open this Friday night. We'll be at the Kent Theater in Brooklyn. I hope you come, Curtis. Very, very exciting. Danny A. does a great job playing Roy DeMeo. And you're right. I think the misconception is is that DeMeo, that part of the Gambino crime family, lived in Canarsie. No. But Roy did live on Long Island. He lived in Matza Pizza Park. On the water. Yes. Oh, Curtis, he's maligning us. All I got to say is Roy DeMeo. He killed over 200 people with the two guys that I grew up with, Joey Testa and Anthony Centaur. Come on, Nassau County cops. Didn't you tell me Anthony Centaur was getting out of jail? I keep telling all my buddies. In fact, my friend Larry Walter was asking me, did you not tell me that he was going to get out of jail this summer? Was well, that not you? They, he keeps writing me a letter in crayon, Crayola crayon. Can you write a a letter to the parole board. You remember me. You remember me. I said, lose my number, pal. Lose my number. I ain't okay. writing no, no, right. no pardon yeah. letter for you. Yeah, by the way, the Ohika Castle, we were going to celebrate our 31st wedding anniversary. I did go that day to cover Richard Salgado, Big Daddy's Golf Tournament. Danielle did not come. Just a uh, correction. We celebrated our 30th wedding anniversary at the gorgeous River Cafe. At the bottom of the Brooklyn Bridge, that would have been number 31. But, yes, there is a story about the Ohika Castle and illegals, isn't there, Curtis? Most guys, if they had been married 30 years, would want to be jumping off the Brooklyn Bridge. <laughs> Say, what the hell did I do to my life? But anyway, so this guy, That's funny. Right, this guy's trying to shake us down, Gary Melius. He's got some dive upstate on the border called the Quality and Not... 115 rooms, and he's saying, hey, Eric Adams, I'll let you send the illegal aliens up there, but, hey, let's make a deal, you know, because you got to grease me like everybody else gets greased. So I'm going to make Gary Melius a deal. First off, I want Ray Tierney and Rodney Harrison, when they get a chance, to reopen the investigation into who shot Gary Melius, because everybody out in Suffolk County knows it, including Frank Morano. That's number one. So he, you're telling me Frank Morano knows who shot him? They all know. You Al, know. Al, Do Al you know? Alley Boy D'Amato. No. You see, that's it. They won't tell me. They won't tell you. No, no, because they know I eat uh, Parmesan cheese. No, I, <laughs> I'll come on to your program and uh, announce. Well, I will have Justin Ellick reach out. To, well, I'll reach out to Rodney myself. I'll have yes. Justin reach out, to reach out to Ray Tierney, and I will ask him about that. They have you. all the video. Second, I want the illegal aliens sent now to Ohika Castle. What? Well, in Suffolk County, No, right? you can't do that. Let it's them, a cor- they play it's let, gorgeous. No, let, them, a golf course. let them feel the pain, right? <laughs> like they were in denial. Oh, we're not corrupt. Oh, let's, now that this guy wants to shake us down, Gary Melius, that poopa, that schmendrick, Let's send the illegal aliens out to Ohika Castle. And instead of putting them at Creedmoor, where they're already starting to build the tent, I'm going to be leading a big rally there on Tuesday night. Let's send them to Ohika Castle. Take that, Gary Melius. 
take that out, Fonsali Boy Tomato, and everybody who's been chilling for this guy. Oh my God. You think he'll do it? No, of course <laughs> not. He wants, he wants to take our money. And by the way, you were mentioning how, um, Rapa No is an American hater, right? Yes. Why does everybody hate you, Sid? They hate me? Yeah, because you're a Jew. Oh, that's why, yes. It was Jimmy yeah. Fox. Jimmy Fox, who had some kind of disease and almost took his life. You want to bet that almost 90% of the doctors standing to him were Jews? Not only that, but when he was sick, I was upset. Like, I love Jamie Fox. This is a story I didn't spend a lot of time covering. I was going to wait to get Dove hiking down, but I'm glad you mentioned it. And it turns out that Jamie Fox, who I've loved my whole life, said something anti-Semitic and wants to just pass it off. They, they always say the same thing. Oh, no, not me. I love everybody. Please. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. In uh, consultation, he must have been sitting there with Mel Gibson and uh, <laughs> yay, ye, yo, yay, whatever, Kanye West, because he sends out this message. They killed this dude named Jesus. What do you think they'll do to you? Out of nowhere. I'm saying Jewish doctors probably save your life. And what? What idiot actually says she'd like to post? Jennifer Aniston. Jennifer Aniston, I saw that. You see, I'm telling you, I know why you wanted to be an Italian stallion, a Roman Catholic, because you can't win when you're a Jew. Everybody <laughs> ends up hating you. Yeah. Mel Gibson, Kanye West, recently Johnny Bench yeah. about gay Paul. Yeah. Yeah, you they never stop. You left out Adolf Hitler. He, he was... <laughs> Yeah, well, oh, by the way, yeah. when when I saw Passion of Christ, the Mel Gibson film, yeah. I had to go Rabbi Joe Potasnik on one side, Bill Donahue of the Catholic League on oh, the other Bill side. Donahue. Rabbi Joe Potasnik is saying to me, man, this thing is anti-Semitic. In the meantime, Bill Donahue of the Catholic League, this is brilliant <laughs> Oscar performance. And I say, uh-oh, am I going to be able to get out of this theater? But everybody takes a point of their life. To decide we're going to hate Jews. Yes, it's true. And we are the, uh, we love everybody. I mean, don't forget, when I was a kid growing up, it's funny, I had dinner at Lenny's Clam Bar on Saturday. And that's not far from New Park Pizza, a couple of blocks away. Remember what happened when a couple of black kids tried to get pizza in Howard Beach? Baseball bats, Bell Parkway, dead kids. How about uh, when, uh, when, when black kids tried to go to Bay Ridge or Bensonhurst or even Flat? What's it going to happen? Who gladly lived amongst the black people? The Jews. And there were no issues until your friend Al Sharpton and that whole Yanko, Yanko Rosenbaum story where he set Crown Heights on, Crown Heights on fire. But the one people that after all these years have no problem, unlike Italians and Irish people, they hate the blacks. Jews live with blacks, never an issue. And who do blacks beat up? Jews! Hold on a second. Hold on a second. You yeah. said you were at Lenny's Clam Bar. I was, yes. Which place has more black people going there morning, noon, and night than Lenny's Clam Bar? You know, it's unbelievable you say that because when I was a kid, like I said, you couldn't find a black person. All these restaurants, all of Howard Beach, it has completely changed. But remember, which they is would, great. They I'm would advertise on TV at night, and all the brothers and sisters on their way out to Far Rockaway or coming from Far Rockaway into the city, their one pit stop was Lenny's Clambar. I would walk into Lenny's Clambar, and I thought for sure, oh, my God, some black church must have just <laughs> let out. Like 90% yeah. of their clientele were African-Americans, 
It was a sanctuary. You want a real sanctuary for blacks who were under attack at that time, either by people in New Howard Beach, Old Howard Beach, or, yes, the beach that nobody knows, Hamilton Beach. It was Lenny's Clam Bar. It was Lenny's Clam Bar. Now, do you go there ever or not really? Yeah. Oh, you don't. Oh, come on, man. You know, you eat trafe there. Yeah. You you should take a... We we both had shrimp and lobster. You should take a menorah (laughs) and impale yourself. Meantime, everybody hates Jews. And what is Jew number one on the radio doing? He's eating trife at Lenny's Clam Bar. And he's saying, I wish, I wish I was born an Italian stallion. I wish I was born Roman Catholic. Could I become a Jew for Jesus? Stand up for Jews, Sid Rosenberg. Your race is barely registering. What do you got, a few million people in the world? And we Gentiles, we blame you guys for everything. Here's Jamie Foxx, his life saved by Jewish doctors. And the first thing out of ICU and ER is... They killed this dude named Jesus. What do you think they'll do to you? And Jennifer Aniston, a friend, saying, I'm your friend. I hate Jews, too. I really do. What the hell is going on out there? Am I the only righteous Gentile who always has the back of Jews? Stay a Jew, Sid Rosenberg. Be proud of who you are. And if they come at you, Sid... You hit them so hard, their mothers will feel the vibration. Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-whim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? Friends. 77 WABC. Oh, 
Mr. Jones goes out to my new friend Lawrence Jones. <coughs> made his uh, made my debut on his television show on Saturday night on Fox News. Lawrence Jones. I'm watching Trevor Alt on Good Morning America. For some reason, they changed one of the channels in the newsroom, which I'm happy about. They changed it from CNN to Channel 7 locally. I also don't see New York 1 on, which I'm also happy with that. But uh, Trevor Alt is reporting on uh, what happened here on Friday in Union Square. And my son likes this guy. I told you that. What's his name? Um, the uh, the social influencer that... Oh, oh, I thought you wanted your son's name. <laughs> no, no, him I know. Yeah. What is that guy's name again? Oh, it was... Um, God, no, 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 no. Kai Sinat. There you go. Kai Sinat. How am I supposed to remember that? I don't know, but my son likes him. What's People clearly love him. He's got millions of followers. And all I want to do is punch him across the face. That's all I want to do. He did nothing wrong. I mean, I don't think he did, at least. Got arrested for inciting a riot, but these people who were there were animals. And Adams is right, the mayor. It goes back to parenting, but, oh, God, we're way past that, Eric. Guess what? The parents didn't do a good job. Now guess whose responsibility it is? Yours. That's right. You run this city. So when the parents don't do a good job, Eric, and a lot of these kids go nuts, they become your responsibility. So when we talk about some of the issues in some of our communities, maybe one day we'll have an honest conversation. Maybe. Maybe not. But it was gross what happened here on Friday. But not surprising. I was in the gym. Like I told you, Marianne from Brooklyn sent me a text of a live video from a helicopter. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is rough. Let me finish my set. I'm doing bicep curls. Let me finish my set. I got like six more to do. I'll get back to you. So I wasn't surprised. You know? Like the, more and more these days, sickening images, they just don't seem to. The shock and awe is gone, I guess is what I'm about to say. The shock and awe is gone. Right? Yeah, you see that on the paper and you go, all right. Yeah. Then, of course. Something always happens every weekend. You got some drug-addled, uh, you know, kid walking into a a school and, and, and murdering little kids and spend the next six months blaming the cops. I'm sorry, the shock and awe is gone. Well, that story, of course, still does provide shock and awe, but it's got to get to that level at this point. But to see thousands and thousands of people who wanted free stuff in Union Square and then, of course, have it turn into a melee with violence didn't surprise me at all. You know what I did find fascinating yesterday? Again, watching Jane Pauley, not Bat Chris Christie, but they did an interview with Michael J. Fox. And I used to love Family Ties. I loved that show. I loved Alex P. Keaton, his character. He was great. And he went on to become a really great actor, Back to the Future. He did a movie, Bright Lights, Big City, which was pretty intense, doing cocaine and very, clubs. And, very good. Remember that, Lewis? Who was the guy? Now, who was his friend? Who yeah, his friend. Him? It was a famous guy. Was it Rob Lowe? No. Who was it? No. James Spader? No. No. I he, forget. He he had a, a great uh, television series for about five seasons about ten years ago about uh, uh, not the, uh, law enforcement, about uh, uh, terrorism. He terrorism. Was, he was a counterterrorism yeah. guy. Oh, Keeper Sutherland. That's it. Oh, was that right? Yeah, it's Keeper Sutherland. Keeper was great in all those movies. He's he was great ex- in Flatliners, too. But uh, that was a great movie. But he, he sat there doing this interview, and he didn't take his medication. So what Michael J. Fox does purposely is he won't take his medication because he wants you to see the worst of Parkinson's. He's really a smart dude. And so smart. Right? So he, he can get on stage 
And as long as he's not really talking, he can remain still. But once he starts to talk, his body jerks involuntarily. It's actually very difficult to watch. It's sad, really sad. It made me and Danielle both cry. And he purposely, like I said, doesn't take his medication because he wants you to see what Parkinson's does. Now, he has started 23 years ago. He started the Michael J. Fox Foundation for Parkinson's. He's already raised $1.5 billion. He remains married to that same cute girl on Family on, uh, uh, what was the name of the show again? Uh, well, family Ties. Family Ties. Tracy Pollard. Poland. Oh, there you go. They're married 35 years. And uh, he goes on to say that Woody Harrelson has been a great friend of his, and his quote was, me and Woody did some damage in the 80s. <laughs> so maybe Woody was the real-life keeper Sutherland in Bright Lights Big City. I don't know. but He's been breaking bones years. He falls down. He can't control himself. And broken elbows, broken legs. Man, it is tough to watch. You would never, ever imagine that's the same kid, America's sweetheart, who was red hot in the 80s. And God bless him, he's a mess. He's a mess. Yeah, it's such a good person. Great person. The mind's still there, though. It doesn't take the mind. No, it, no, it doesn't. He's he's exceptionally bright and astute. But physically, it's hard to watch. Right. So our prayers will go out to Michael J. Fox. I still love you. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I have no plans to testify. Uh, but people can be confident. We'll, uh, we'll obey the law. We'll respond to the call uh, of the law if it comes. And, and we'll just tell the truth. We've stood firmly for the rule of law. Nicely done. We just talked about Michael J. Fox. On that Jane Pauley CBS show yesterday, and Lou tells me he's on this song with Joan Jack, and only Lou would know that. So, nice job, Lewis. Nicely done. I think it's a Springsteen song too. Light of Day. He probably did write it. He writes everything. That was Mike Pence, who's a backstabbing piece of garbage, as far as I'm concerned. I don't want to hear good man. He was plucked from nowhere. And I've met Mike here at the offices. He was very, very nice. He actually interviewed Mike. We took pictures together, but he's got no loyalty. He didn't like gays anyway, so screw him. My next guest is the editor of the National Review, Politico. His stuff is in the New York Post. NBC does it all. He's a great Monday morning guest, and he's coming on before a run of great guests now, starting with Lee Zeldin into Alina Haba, Dr. Mark Siegel, and Roger Stone. It's my guy, Rich Lowry. Rich, good Monday morning, buddy. How are you? Good. How's it going? I'm, I'm glad to hear you guys talking uh, about Michael J. Fox. I once wrote a piece. Remember George Magazine? Yes, that JFK, was uh, JFK Jr.'s magazine. Yeah, hottest thing for a while. They asked yeah. me to write a piece on, on the influence that Alex P. Keaton had on me <laughs> as a young Republican. That's funny. Uh, and, which he really did. I was like, I want to be like that guy. And um, uh, he, uh, Fox read it and wrote me a nice note. So no I've always had fond feelings of him ever since. That was, uh, as I pointed out, JFK Jr.'s magazine. It was a big, big deal. And, uh, yes, uh, we all love Michael J. Fox. I'd love to see that. If you find that column, get that to me, will you? Yeah, it's probably pre-internet. I gotta, I gotta um, poke around and see whether it's still available somewhere. All right. So you heard how I described Mike Pence there, and people will argue, "Oh, Sid, stop! 
You're so far up Trump's ass, you can check for polyps. He's a good American. He's doing what's right. You know, he believes it wasn't rigged and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know, man. I mean, at some point, show a little loyalty, pluck from in, uh, from really from nowhere, obscurity, into the vice president's job. I mean, you would think he would calm down just a little, no? God. I'm way in a different place on this one. Um, I mean, he was totally loyal. I mean, he, remember the whole thing for four years, his big shoulder leadership, you know, from Donald Trump. I mean, he didn't show it, uh, an ounce of separation ever. And then he was asked to do this thing he just couldn't do on January 6th. He, he didn't do it. And then he's he's tried to, you know, kind of uh, duck and cover. I mean, he, he's been clear. He thinks he, thinks he did what he, what he had to do. And now, you know, the indictment just makes it makes it impossible to maintain that position. So he's he's now over kind of Chris Christie territory and and Trump's putting him over in Marco Rubio territory, calling him a little. And unless something, you know, thermonuclear changes in this race, Pence is in in a real bad spot, obviously, politically. Well, he can't win anyway. I mean, he's still, uh, you know, he's so pro-choice, it's ridiculous. That doesn't work in this country right. anymore. We know that. He's just, he, he's he's never had a chance of winning this race. It's not even about that. So you don't think that he's shown e- even a little disloyal? I mean, I understand that Trump put the screws to him, and he didn't do it. But, you know, yeah. he, he just seems like at this point he's going out of his way to really be a troublemaker. That's my opinion. Well, I mean, he, he Trump Trump asked him to do like a real bad thing. I mean, to violate his duty. There's there's no no way the founders ever intended for anyone to have have a button they can push and just overturn the results of, of an election. So Pence was right about that. And you know, the, the thing is about loyalty. You know, it is supposed to, to work both ways. And um, when when you just say, um, you know, I guess Trump was was relatively mild on Pence until this point. But it's it's not as though Trump is like, oh, well, he, he was he was great for four years. So I'm, I'm not going to blast him in the harshest terms possible. And, and this is way it ends, unfortunately, with just too many of his high level yeah. people. And I and I fear, you know, as we as we talked before, I think he has a pretty good chance of winning the presidency again. I fear this this is what we'll see again. Well, I don't believe this indictment has any teeth to it, zero. I know the document thing, uh, I guess, has some to it, but the first indictment and this third indictment and the fourth Mm -hmm. indictment coming up to me have nothing. Mm -hmm. But Bill O'Reilly has made the point more than once on this show that uh, the one that can hurt Trump in this indictment is, in fact, Mike Pence, and he Mm -hmm. is named in this indictment, and uh, he may or may not testify. We don't know. I don't agree with Bill. I don't, because clearly now Mike Pence has uh, gone sideways, do you agree that Mike Pence could be uh, that uh, that dangerous to Donald Trump in this indictment? Well, I agree with you on the legal merits. This is much more over on the, the Alvin Bragg part of the spectrum than the documents case. And just on, on fraud alone, this is something haven't, people haven't picked up that much. You know, the, the main charge is defrauding the United States. And this comes at a time when the Supreme Court for decades, really since 1987, has been repeatedly telling the government you can't have this this extremely broad, ambiguous definition of fraud. Fraud is when you steal someone's property or you steal someone's money. There there was even only two cases – this term, like in May, saying the same thing. And here's Jack Smith saying, no, fraud is like this, this sweeping, broad uh, concept such as that you, if you uh, you know, lobby against an election result you don't like, you've, you've defrauded people. And I just don't see how that's possible, even if he gets a conviction at trial, even if it holds up on appeals. When this thing eventually gets to the Supreme Court, he doesn't lose on that and maybe lose nine to nothing. These have been you know, big, uh, uh, big margins in these decisions. Would Pence hurt him? 
I think just the, the subject matter is not great for Trump and just having an intense focus on it is not great for Trump. I don't know whether Pence is, is – he has to particularly fear him or, or not. Um, but you know, s- sitting for weeks having to go over this maybe during the 2024 campaign would, would not be great. But, but Trump's right. You know, So far, it's like, as he said over the weekend, give me another indictment and I've locked up the nominee. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know the DOJ is trying to impose a protective order because Trump came out this weekend really talking to Jack Smith and said, you know, if you basically screw me, I'm going to get you. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get you. And uh, they don't want that out there. They're not sure what he's going to do next. And he seems to be so angry he doesn't care. What do you think about them trying to impose this protective order by 5 o'clock today? I mean, another screwy aspect of this. So let's go back to Pence. So is, is Trump intimidating a witness, as some people said on Twitter, by, by blasting Mike Pence, a guy who's running against him in a, a nominating battle? Right. So, so the judge, should, should he stop him from saying that? It's crazy. I think it's completely crazy. It's part of the, the free and open uh, debate. And Trump, you know, I'm sure his, his lawyer was all over the uh, Sunday shows. And I'm sure, like, all, all the lawyers, like, sir, please don't say this. He's never going to stop saying these things, right? His, his <laughs> never. attitude is, never. you want to put me in jail for, like, right. decades, for the rest of my life, I'm not going to be nice to you. I, I'm going to say mean things about you on, right. social, on Truth Social and say what I think's right and, and make it really uncomfortable for you, too, and see how you like it. I mean, I've had his attorneys say to me, and I'm not going to mention any names, that Trump is a tough client because forgetting about a guy like Mike Pence who he's running against, when he, uh, he'll kill the judge, mm-hmm. and that's yeah. the judge who's going to make a decision, and it's like, hey, Donnie, be quiet. We need this guy to be yeah. on our side. He doesn't care. Yeah, he doesn't care. And, again, we've talked about this a little bit. This is, uh, this is why there's a New York Times poll that had him way ahead. And on attributes, you know, DeSantis is a distant second, but on attributes where Trump is killing DeSantis, strong leader, and it's because of this stuff, he'll just say and, and does, he makes his own rules, you know, which is the definition of strength and fun, you know? So usually you get someone who's like a really strong leader and he's boring, right? right. Or, or you get someone who's entertaining and there's no way he can, he can be a leader. Trump's got both those attributes. Yeah, he does. And that's uh, one reason he's winning so big at the moment. Well, you sent me these uh, two stories from National Review. Folks, check it out, nationalreview.com. One is, what are you, both sides of the spectrum? Jack Smith is a fanatic. And the other, an opinion piece, the rally around Trump effect. Trump is all over Jack Smith. I haven't heard anybody who's pro-Trump say anything nice about Jack Smith, kind of like the judge in the D.C. case. What are your thoughts? And what does this article say about Jack Smith? Well, uh, Jack Smith, so you, you, you want to nail Trump, okay? We'll, we'll take that as a given. You got the documents thing, which I think legally is, is pretty cut and dry. So you do that, fine. But now you're going to layer on this incredibly explosive case where the law maybe, probably isn't there? How does that make any sense? How does like a by-the-books prosecutor do that unless he has a political agenda? And I think he's a – you know, he's clearly a hater. He's a Liz Cheney-style hater. I don't know whether he's a Democrat. I don't know whether he's a progressive. That doesn't matter so much. But he's he could be have a seat on the January 6th committee, and he made that clear <laughs> in his uh, statement, you know, last week, which this case is not about the riot. But he talked about the riot, you know. So he clearly has that motivation. And the other piece that actually, correction, is in the New York Times, of all things. And, you know, just, just um, tr- trying to suss out why people rally around Trump. And, I mean, a big reason is when you do the Russia thing for, like, years, and Trump says this is 
totally unfair uh, and wrong, and he turns out to be right, you're not going to believe any subsequent investigations right. and prosecutions of him are on the up and up. That's a right. totally understandable reflex. Wow. How about that? New York Times, Rich Lowry, National Review. So I mentioned the fact that I saw you mentioned it, Michael J. Fox, on that Jane Pauley CBS show yesterday. Right before they interviewed Fox, one of their people interviewed Chris Christie. And uh, Christie is on State of the Union. Christie is on with George Stephanopoulos. Mm-hmm. He's everywhere. And I understand he was a president candidate before. I know he was a governor of New Jersey. He's not even polling at 2%. Mm-hmm. It is clear he's in this race for as long as he can just to mangle Donald Trump. Why are all these media outlets paying attention to somebody who's not even polling at 2%? Well, they want to mangle Donald Trump too, right? So he, he, uh, it's a message that they like. Uh, plus, I mean, uh, in fairness, he's a good interview. And in New Hampshire, uh, you know, he's, he's ticked up, I think, in the, the low double digits in some, some polls. So some, some chance he makes an impact there. But it's a little bit like, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. He'll just do anything. He'll, he'll talk to anyone. And, uh, th- there's kind of a freedom in that. You know, he's, he's having fun, even, even if you hate what he says. Yeah, but at least Vivek, what... who was on right before me on Lawrence Jones Saturday, he's polling up to like 9%. I mean, it's not yeah, great uh... when, when Trump's at 60, but this guy Christie's at 1.8. Yeah, no, it's it's true. Uh, but I was going to say, you know, bo- both of those guys, I think, have the the right approach for their purposes, Christie and Vivek, whereas DeSantis has been hiding, and now finally is is actually doing more interviews. He had a interview with someone at the NBC today, but um, th- that's one mistake DeSantis has made. It's like I'm just going to stay in the the conservative media cocoon and screw yeah. these legacy reporters. Who actually ends up screwing yourself. I had this uh, Democrat councilman on on Friday, which his name is Justin Brannon. He's actually in charge of all the money. He's a very powerful guy out of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn, number two. And I asked him about Trump, and uh, he couldn't find his ass from his elbow with this story. You know, I said, what do you think about Trump? Well, he's, you know, clearly he did something. I go, what do you do? Then he had no answer. And he said, well, it seems. I go, what do you mean it seems? What did he do? Mm-hmm. Well, he said, I said, well, let me ask you this. When Stacey Abrams claimed her election in Georgia was rigged. Why was that okay when Hillary Clinton in 2016 claimed she lost to Trump because it was rigged? Where were you guys then? Why is it okay for mm-hmm. Stacey Abrams and Clinton? He goes, well, I go, I'll tell you why. Because you're Democrats. But the truth is, this latest indictment against Donald Trump, Democrats, Democrats, big-name Democrats, have been doing this for years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not just that. If we're going to have this... this uh um, sweeping definition of, of fraud and defrauding the United States. Why didn't Joe Biden defraud the United States when on zero constitutional authority, he creates a, a massive student loan forgiveness program that's going to cost right. the government, you know, billions and billions of dollars. That's right. a financial harm. And he didn't, he wasn't sincere. He didn't believe he had that authority. He repeatedly said he, he didn't, or his, his people and his allies did. And then they just came up with it for political reasons. So should, should it just be, not be the Supreme Court slaps that down? Should it be now uh, a prosecutor? Should should try to send him to jail for the rest of his life as an eighty year old man. Be nice. <laughs> F him. Now now, now making a, a yeah, Smith please, case. Taking you over, Sid. Yeah, there's, there's my morning Viagra. Thank you, Rich. I, I will tell you this: the more people I speak to, and there were two or three last week, including O'Reilly, and how much I love and respect him, they really don't think Joe Biden is going to be the candidate in twenty four. I mean, I do, unless he dies, because they ain't going to get him. I know Comer's trying and. And uh, McCarthy's trying and Mason, Jordan, but they ain't going to get him. There's no, they're not going to pull this guy. Good morning, John. So I think he will be the candidate. What do you think? 
He'll be the candidate unless the the health makes it totally unsustainable. I mean, it looks to me to be unsustainable now. I, I don't think a, a a rational party would put him up again because if we talked, you know, he could have a terrible fall in October 2024. There's going to be no substituting another candidate at that point, and you could have the president of the United States in a rehab facility, and that's not gonna that's not gonna play well. But they've convinced them, themselves that he's the only one who can beat Trump. Where I think it's a little bit more like. Um, uh, he, he he he's he, he couldn't beat anyone else except for maybe Trump, you know. And he needs to tr- Trump because you know Trump's old too, and Trump's had ethical problems too, and Trump's uh, unpopular too. Uh, but otherwise, I think any other Republican, he'd just be uh, Biden would be getting killed. He would. Hey, listen, which is always not a good job, a great job. Love having you on every Monday morning. We'll do it again next All week. Right, thank thank you so much. My man, the editor of the National Review, Politico, NBC. His stuff syndicated often right here in the New York Post. He's the man, Rich Lowry. And that wraps up two really good hours on a Monday morning with a lot of big guests still to come, including Lee Zeldin, Trump attorney Alina Haba. We'll talk to Dr. Mark Siegel and Roger Stone. The third hour of Sid and Friends in the morning on a rainy Monday about to come your way. is Sid and Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. I'm only happy when it rains. I'm only happy when it's complicated. And though I know you can't appreciate it. I'm only happy when it rains. You know I love it when the news is bad. Why it feels so good to feel so There's Alina Haba right now, looking great, dressed in pink, tan, looking very good on Fox and Friends with Brian Ainsley and Ducey. And she's going to join us in about 30 minutes at 840 this morning, Trump attorney Alina Haba. We've got a whole bunch of great guests stopping by. Alina coming up at 840, Dr. Mark Siegel coming up at 910, and Roger Stone, who's been killing it here on Sundays. He'll be on at uh, 925. But I told you I was perusing Instagram yesterday morning before I went to the beach. And, um, you know, a lot of stuff about Trump, obviously. And, you know, if you come to get me, I'm going to get you. And the story about the protective order right now, the DOJ requesting they want a protective order by 5 o'clock today. And all that Trump stuff, Jack Smith, and that fourth indictment coming any second now from Georgia. A lot of that, right? And a lot of sports news, too. Obviously, Saturday was Hall of Fame Day in Canton. Joe Klecko, Jet, Darrell Rivas, Jet, Rondé Barber, Tiki's brother, all got in. But then I came across Lee Zeldin's account. You guys know how much I love and respect Lee Zeldin. An amazing, not good, but amazing politician out of Suffolk County, Long Island, for so many years. Then he jumped into the governor's race, had to take on three tough men. Andrew Giuliani, Rob Astorino, Harry Wilson beat them all and then ran a great, great race against that witch 
who's the governor of New York, that just uh, just awful wench, Kathy Hochul. And he lost, but he, he ran a great race. And in the one debate they did participate in, he kicked their ass all over the TV screen. Wasn't even close. So now the world awaits, what will Lee Zeldin do next? So I'm on Lee Zeldin's Instagram account, and what do I see? He's talking about the women's soccer team. And I loved it. Because as we've said a bunch of times this morning, outside of five players, Dennis Rodman's daughter, Zach Ertz, big-time NFL tight end, his wife, Julie, Captain Alex Morgan, and two others. Nobody on that team sang the national anthem, led by Megan Rapinoe, one of the biggest America haters in the history of professional sport. I, for one, was happy they lost. And it seems like so was Lee Zeldin. So with that said, here he is, Lee Zeldin. Lee, good morning. How are you, buddy? Hey, good morning, Sid. It's great to be with you. Great to have you, too. Did I characterize that properly? It seemed to me from your Instagram account, much like me and my guys here in the studio this morning, you were celebrating an American loss. Well, listen, whenever you see an American sports team on the international stage playing other countries, you want to be able to root passionately for that team. But what really sets back those Patriots who who want to be able to root for that team is when the team members themselves are taking on an attitude that is turning against their own country. I mean, that almost, in, in some respects, makes some of the players worse than some of the players playing for other countries. You know, it's almost worse than one of your own taking on your own country with uh, w- with the attacks that you see from uh, the top, really, with the captain. What I posted yesterday is a you know pick of the team, a headline about them coming up short. And I was thinking maybe we should have taken the captain's advice. He <laughs> wanted to replace women on the team with men who are identifying as women, and maybe that would have possibly upgraded the talent enough where they would have won. Maybe we should have replaced the captain. Uh, That probably also would have gotten more Americans rooting for the team. It is sad. You know, again, they were looking at three-peat. And I, for one, I'm all for the women's soccer team making as much as men. I mean, obviously, NBA, no. Other major sports, tennis, I'm okay with it. Golf, maybe. But soccer, the truth is the women have been much better. I know they don't draw and all that, but they've been better. I can't even tell you a couple of men on those teams the last couple of years. Maybe two, Landon Donovan and Tim Howard. That's it. But dating all the way back to the Mia Hamm teams, the women have been great, and they do win. They do win. So I'm okay with that. When Megan Rapinoe is interviewed after the loss yesterday, instead of crying about this loss, all she talked about was, well, I got equal pay. Not exactly the quote you want to hear right after a very difficult loss. Am I right? Oh, listen, spot on. If you are playing for a U.S. national team, just like all the other players out there playing for their own country, I believe that there's that reflection of what kind of a country do I live in? Am I proud of the country that I have today or am I not? Uh, do I believe that I live in a great nation? So, like, if you're out there playing for the, the soccer team in Iran and you have an issue with the Iranian government, you know, abusing women and, 
you know, in, in the worst ways imaginable. Listen, I understand if you're going to take that type of an exception on the global stage, hey, that's, you know, more power to you. Uh, that's something that we can get behind even if you don't live in the country. But if you are playing for the greatest country in the history of the world, the most exceptional nation ever, this is my opinion. Obviously, it's not shared by Rapino or Rapino or however you pronounce her name. <laughs> then, listen, it's just it is a different view of, of a nation. I believe is a, a great republic with a constitution, freedoms, liberties, a flag, values that should be uh, admired. They are fought for. They are defended. People die in defense of. And that's something that I would want to see our teams celebrating on the global stage. If you want to make our country better, that's part of what makes our nation great. But you don't do it on the global stage where you're embarrassing yourself, you're embarrassing our country, you're making it seem like we are not a United States. And you know, it happens as a result. We end up not being a United States because of this divide because of the people who are trying to tear us apart. We should aspire to be a more perfect union, absolutely, and regardless of your ideology or politics. But you don't end up transitioning that into something on the global stage where it seems like you hate our country, uh, and then it really seems like maybe we aren't a nation that has – freedom and and liberty and values that should be uh, aspired to and emulated around the world. Maybe we aren't the greatest nation in the world when you're watching from abroad and you're seeing how our own players are acting with this honor of of representing us on the world stage. So it's it's offensive for a lot of Americans and and truly offensive for all the right reasons. Well said. And take it from a guy that served this country proudly and still does. Every couple of weeks, I try, try to call Lee, and he's away somewhere with the Army, the Reserves. Lee Zeldin, National Treasurer, hero here with us this morning. So, Lee, you're an attorney, too. I want to get to uh, Suffolk County. But before I do that, the migrant crisis, now about 100,000 large. I was on Lawrence Jones' show on Fox News on Saturday night. And you bet I place the blame with Eric Adams. I want to hear he's trying. He's trying. It can't be a sanctuary city. You can't welcome them in and say, I'm going to be very nice to you, and then decide months later there's no more room at the inn. He doesn't call out Biden. He doesn't call out Mayorkas. doesn't talk about the issue at the border. So to me, he's partly to blame, along with other people, too. Don't get me wrong. He's not alone. It starts in D.C., but it ends right here with the mayor himself. Your thoughts? If you are the mayor of the city of New York, you are, you are the governor of New York, you are the president of the United States, it doesn't matter what party you are in, your your personal loyalties, your political loyalties are not excuses to avoid the obvious answer that is right in front of us of how you actually solve it. Is it about more money? No, absolutely not. Is it about more perks and rewards and incentives? Totally counterproductive. Absolutely not. And by the way, those are the only, those are the only, to stop you for a second, those are the only two things, especially the first one, you ever hear from Eric Adams. He never says, I have a solution other than I need money from the quote unquote federal government, not Biden, and he's never going to get it. Every single elected official of any party, every, anywhere in this country 
whether you are the mayor of the, the city of New York, you're the mayor of some other city elsewhere, you're a governor of New York, governor of any other state elsewhere, we all need to be calling on President Biden, the White House, the Biden administration to secure our border. And you need to put pressure on them. You need to let them know that we understand what this issue is. You put the blame on the person who is in the best position to actually fix it. No excuses. You should go to the border yourself. You should listen to the people on the ground. You should hear their feedback. And you should be pursuing solutions. Finish construction of the border wall. End catch and release. Enforce the Remain in Mexico policy. Support our Customs and Border Patrol agents. We know what needs to get done. Stop incentivizing and rewarding illegal entry. The policy solutions, the specific ways that you actually solve this crisis are all within the power of the President of the United States, Joe Biden. And anything that you do that comes short of calling out this president and calling on him to pursue the specific things that will actually secure our border is coming up short. It is failing. It is not leading. It is easy to go after the other party. It's harder when you're going after your own party. Maybe it's even a president you support. Maybe you calculate there might be some political fallback. It might hurt you with your own selfish political pursuits. It doesn't freaking matter. It is what you have to do to do your job to represent your people. It's an economic strain, a healthcare strain, is a is a public safety strain, a transportation strain. This is going to get worse, not better, until they successfully pick up the phone, call these folks out publicly, telling anyone in a position in the Biden administration to get off their asses and secure our southern border. Well said. Exactly how I feel. Lee Zeldin, the man, we only pray that he gets back into politics sooner than later. Lee, I want to ask you about Suffolk County. Ray Tierney, the DA, fine job he's doing. Rodney Harrison, the police commissioner on this Rex Yorman case. You're a guy, surely Long Island, Suffolk County. What's the last couple of months been like? I think it's amazing. Uh, the leadership that we've seen over the course of the last couple of years, the last year and a half uh, working on this case. Uh, the district attorney in Suffolk, uh, Ray Tierney, the Suffolk County Police Commissioner, the different levels of government, federal, state, local, all working together. They're not competing. It's isn't it turf war. They're all just sharing intel, doing great work together. This is the government working. And, and not just cracking down on this one case, uh, bringing uh, a suspect forward on on a murder charge for three of the individuals but i also saw the news over the course of the last couple of days that they just identified jane doe number seven who was murdered uh, in like 27 years ago uh so that's amazing that you know for that family that they're able to now be that much closer to closure for what they are struggling with so this not only uh, gives hope for that closure that's needed for the families of these three, but the good work that they're doing is really helping the families of far more. Uh, and, and to get this guy off of the street, he's going to have his day in court. If he you know, doesn't plead, there'll be a trial. Uh, but it seems like they've really done good work to put a bunch of evidence together, and it looks like they have a strong case. 60 seconds to go, Lee. Again, you are an attorney. Uh, you look at the charges, uh, the third charges, I should say, the third indictment brought against Donald Trump uh, here by Jack Smith. 
I think it's a joke. I don't care what Mike Pence says. It doesn't say they got nothing. Yes, the second one may have some teeth. The documents, this has nothing. To me, this is on the same level as the initial Alvin Bragg indictment in New York City. But I'm not a lawyer. You are. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's clear as day that this Biden donor who's prosecuting the case in front of the Obama donor judge trying to go after President Biden's main political opponent, like we're living in a third world country, banana republic. Uh, It's all shady out of the gate. Before you even start reading the indictment, when you start talking about the players and you and you're aware that President Biden is, you know, was putting pressure on the attorney general to prosecute his political opponent. Now you've already you're already a bit skeptical. It's like, okay, well, now I'll read the indictment. They are prosecuting President Trump for, you know, criminalizing First Amendment free speech. If you're saying that in the United States of America that you're not even uh, you know allowed to have your own thought, you're not allowed to after an election even question results. And you're going to end up eroding faith and trust in elections further. You're going to tearing our country apart even further. You can't just have an election. I mean, they they might do this, you know, in in plenty of other countries that have fallen apart around the world, where you have an election and then the people in power tell you, this is the result. No questions asked. No, I don't. I'm not listening. I don't care what you're saying. And then if you say something after that. It says, well, what about this? Nope, illegal. We're throwing you in prison for 300 years. <laughs> it's crazy. So, like, it, this, is not, this is not good at all. It's going to result, by the way, in President Trump becoming stronger in the Republican Party primary. And, and I believe that for independent-minded people who are not happy with Joe Biden as, as president of the United States, they don't approve the job that he's doing. They're starting to think about, you know, January 2020. December 2019, right before COVID hit, our country was pretty darn strong back then. Our border was getting more secure. Our economy was getting better. A lot of things were going in the right direction. On the policy front, I think people would love to have President Trump back right right about now. There are people who may not be thrilled with some of the things he say says or the way he acts, but stuff like this might put him over the top. I think there are independent-minded people who see this out as a political prosecution. I hope you're right, and uh, I think I think you're right, and I hope you're right because we need Trump back badly. I know people yell and complain. This is the best we can do. These two eighty-year-old guys. Listen, it is what it is. And yes, Donald Trump is the best we can do. How do I know? He's done it once, and he was great, just like you, Lee. You're great, and no matter what you do next, you're going to be great. Keep coming back here, though. Another spectacular appearance, my dear friend. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sid. Take care. You're the best. Lee Zeldin right there joining us upset about the women's soccer team like we all are and opinions on a whole bunch of other stuff. Lots more to do. Trump attorney Alina Hava just on uh, Fox and Friends on Fox News. Dr. Mark Siegel. He was on with me, Lawrence Jones, Fox News on Saturday night. And Roger Stone of another big performance on this station yesterday. Three more great guests. Lots to do. Sid Rosenberg on a Monday.
77 WABC. This is Sitting Friends in the Morning. No, I get by with a little help from my friends. And some dope dropped their bag of blow at the White House. Hunter had a little bag, little bag, little bag. Hunter had a little bag, the bag was white as snow. And everywhere that Hunter went, Hunter went, Hunter went. Everywhere that Hunter went, that bag was sure to go. And they're treating this like it's the biggest scandal in the history of this country. It followed him to work one day, work one day, work one day. It followed him to work one day, which was against the rule. It made them question everyone, everyone, everyone. It made them question everyone, and now the case is closed. Chris Libertini. I guess Lisa Orban may have been there, too. I don't know. Hunter had a little bag. <laughs> yeah. Alina Haba, Dr. Mark Siegel, Roger Stone, all to come. You know, Lou made a very good point earlier. Sorry, I'm picking my nose. But, um, <laughs> so we're playing these, I guess it's a con- contest, you know, because on September the 7th, we're having another one of these big soirees, and... Nobody does it better than John and Margot Katsimatidis. Nobody. And I'm being sincere. I'm not blowing smoke up their ass. They do it great. Last year, we had the 100-year WABC celebration at Chip Riani's. In fact, I distinctly remember talking about Bernard, who has gone almost a year now. I can't believe it's true, but it is. God rest his soul. That was an unbelievable night and a beautiful party. But if I remember correctly, it was last September... And we were celebrating 100 years. Yet somehow this September, we're celebrating 102 years. Now, I went to Baruch, and I got a B.A. in finance and took a lot of very difficult math classes. I don't understand how you celebrate 100 years last September, and one year later, it's two years later. I have um, actually kind of an explanation for you, I guess. Let me hear this. It took so long for us to put together the 100-year anniversary. So that was really 101. That it was really 101. But we were still calling it the 100-year. Well, see, so that's a great explanation, but you can't call it 100. That wasn't my idea. And then eight months later, go with celebrating 102. It sounds stupid. I understand. But, but don't you remember there was the whole... I, think I, don't, remember, whole, I don't remember what I well, ate for breakfast yesterday. That is very true. You think I got involved in, in what happened during that? I mean, it was a great... Bernie was I dying. I was here every day <laughs> working. Right. My, I lost my voice. You're right. You're my right. God. I, think I had no lot. idea what was happening. You're going through a lot. We're going through a lot. It's not easy being you. No, it's not all the glamour it looks like. Right. No, but I can show you about the picture I got yesterday. It's <laughs> yeah. not all Well, that was pretty glamorous. Laying on the God, beach, half naked. Um, oh, well, that does explain it, but it still sounds odd. I don't know. Yeah. We well, celebrated it is, it 100 years odd. last year, and now a year later it's 102. Well, sounds odd because it is odd. Right. Most yeah. people forgot. See? Oh, we missed 101. <laughs> when was that one? <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> it's, right. That one came and went already. Well, I'm glad you, you explained it. it to me. I feel better now. Yeah, you're welcome. Man. Celebrating 102 years. <laughs> <laughs> so next you'll be 106. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> seeing if anybody's paying attention. Yeah. All right, we've got a lot of big guests coming up again. Alina Hubbard, Dr. Mark Siegel, Roger Stone, all that about to come your way. 
This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. But you say he's just a friend. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. You look at the barricades, the fact that she's got her PR team doing fresh pictures for her. It's a good indicator that Fanny wants her moment. She will get on the bandwagon with the rest of the, the corrupt DAs and AGs that we've seen out of this country. That was Alina Hava, and uh, my producer, Justin Ellick, is such a geek, and he loves her. Clearly, he loves her. He's watching Fox News this morning. He was he was like a kid in camp, so she called. I guess you called her just now to put her on, and he, he couldn't even talk to that's her. That's not why. I had something in my... No, no, that's why. That's why. I mean, I had, I had what's the matter with you? I had something in my eye. You're an adult. I mean, show, show a little professionalism here. What's the matter I, with you? I did. That. What's the matter with you? A lot. Oh, there's a lot. <laughs> yeah, wrong I know with me. that. Yeah. Alina is one of uh, Trump's attorneys, and uh, the, the timeline that she put together last week, we played it about 20 times already. Where is that cut? Was that what you just played just now? The actual timeline? Yes. What an amazing job. Every time the Bidens are about to get in trouble, they indict Trump. I mean, every single time. So fresh Oprah of Fox News appearance just moments ago, making her second visit to Sid and Friends in the morning. I actually bumped Joe Tacopina for her. Alina Habba. Good morning, Alina. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Joe really appreciated that. <laughs> That's okay. He loves you because, as people don't realize this, even though you work on different cases, Takapina's got the Bray case in New York City, some of the document case. He's got the Eugene Carroll stuff. You're on this one, for example. Even though a lot of the team is on different cases, you guys are all pretty close, yes? Uh, well, Joe and I work together on Bergdorf case, yes. Um, so we, we, um, yeah, I actually encouraged him to join that case. I think he's great and, and, uh, he is a friend of mine. So yeah, you know, it, there is such a thing as people getting along in the workplace. God forbid. <laughs> God forbid. So I go back to what you said last week uh, out in the street in New York. You're talking about the timeline. Every time the Bidens get into trouble, they find mm-hmm. a way the next day or two days later to indict Trump. And like you said, then and you're right. That's no coincidence, right, Alina? No, it's not a coincidence. It's distraction at its best, right? But it's not really distracting when you do it five times in a row over three months. Um, It kind of becomes obvious. The gig is up. But that is what they're doing. And I think that uh, when I decided what I was going to say for D.C. for this indictment, I didn't want it to be something that people could disagree with based on opinion. I wanted it to be very factual. So, I decided to just give them straight facts because I think whether you're CNN or Fox, you can't really disagree with the facts. And the facts are that every time there is an indictment um, issue uh, or an issue with any Biden, the next day, exactly, they indict Trump. And I'm sure this same thing will happen in Georgia. Watch. There will be some terrible news on Biden's and the next day they'll indict him on Georgia. It's just what they do. So there's no doubt, I think I read something, that they're already getting ready uh, for crowd control and protests right. and even uh, staging photos 
that Fulton County is coming up and coming up very soon, yes? I believe so. Um, unfortunately, when you make these things a spectacle and more of a PR play rather than a actual legal issue, you kind of get a good idea that something's coming. Putting barricades up weeks before and, and you know, Fanny getting her photo ops done is a clear indication of her motivation and uh, also timelines for us. You know, we have no insider information, but they would never be that courteous, God forbid. Um, but, no, it's very clear that that's, that's going to be it. And she obviously wanted to wait for a new press cycle to have her moment. This is Trumpet Tony Alina Hubba joining us this morning. Alina, tell me about this protective order the DOJ is trying to get done by 5 o'clock this afternoon. They were particularly upset. I thought it was great when Trump put on his social media this weekend, if you come after me, I'm coming after you. Now, me, I say, wait a second. He's an American. First Amendment. He can say that. But they're saying, no, 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 no. What about this protective order they want at 5 o'clock today? Yeah, that's um, an, another way to chill. It's unfortunate. You know, we I, I typically don't object, and I'm not speaking to this case, but I typically don't object to orders that would protect witnesses or protect documents that are classified from going into the public. That I don't have problems with um, in general. And President Trump's never done anything like that, so that's, that's not an issue for us. This is really something motivated by Jack Smith's fear because he said he's getting threats, et cetera. And quite honestly, it's a lot of the same, like, pointing to, Trump as the cause. Maybe it's you're bringing a phony indictment twice against a leading candidate. That's the cause. You know, I mean, this is this is what it is. He's he's nervous and he said that he's getting threats and he wants some protective order. Um, you know, it's kind of ridiculous in that vein. Then I should get a protective order as well. You, you should. Know? Right. No, you're yeah. right. No, you're right. It is ridiculous. and You should, too. In fact, yeah. all of us should. So so there's no reason to believe that's going to happen by five o'clock. Um, no, I think that we have to submit papers, is my understanding, or give their point of view on what they would agree with and what they wouldn't. Right. But, and it'll be today. The judge has ordered that. I think the problem that we have is you're trying to silence a candidate that you are attacking. So effectively, you want to say, I'm going to attack you, but you're not allowed to attack me back. You're not allowed to point out that the judge in this case worked with Hunter Biden at a law firm or worked with Fusion GPS on, and Russia Gate on a case. You can't bring that up, but we can attack you. And, by the way, good luck running for president with those conditions in place. Yeah, right. It's ridiculous, yeah. and, and that's what they're trying to do. So, yeah, no, I think that we are going to hear from it today. The judge has made it pretty clear that they have a, a deadline. You brought up the judge, Tanya Chunkin, and you mentioned two of the things. Let's not forget also she wanted to put every January 6th protester who, by and large, were much less violent than anybody else during the summer of 2020. She wanted them in jail for the rest of their lives. I mean, she just hates Trump. Lindsey Graham said it best a couple of days ago. She hates Trump. He wants her to be recused. I know that. He's even looking for a venue change. I've been told by great attorneys like you that a venue change in a federal case is almost a zero percent. What about yeah. judge recusal venue change? So a judge recusal in this case is is very clear and should be done um, given her personal history with his political opponent's son, given her history on with fusion GPS cases and things of that nature with Russiagate. This is probably the clearest uh, evidence I've ever seen of a judge that needs to recuse. The problem with recusals is the judge hears the papers, the judge themselves. 
So if you're politically motivated, for instance, then you wouldn't recuse so that you have your moment in court to go after an opponent politically. And that's the problem with recusals. So, yeah, filing the motions is absolutely something we should do. Whether it's going to be successful, you're really going up. A, 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 you would ask, That's like asking me to recuse myself from being a special prosecutor against the Bidens. I mean, I would love the opportunity to do that. Right. Sure, and, sure. and that and do I think I would do it fairly? Yes. Does the American public probably think I would? No. Right. So they file a motion and then I would have to decide effectively. That's what's happening. So I I hope that she does recuse. She frankly probably should have already done it on her own volition, but we'll make the appropriate motions and see where they go. Uh, no chance, though, that we move this from Washington, D.C. to West Virginia, huh? Um, do I think that it's, uh, you know, I, I do think they should ask for it. They should I think ask that for if it. you look, they should ask for it. I think they should ask. For you know, it. you look at, uh, the six or seven court dates and they continue to pile up Alina over the next 18 months. And a lot of those do coincide with major dates. You know, we're talking about, uh, obviously the debate comes up on two weeks, but next year, Iowa, then you've got super Tuesday, then you've got the actual nomination, then you get the win in July, then you get the election. Uh, and a lot of these court dates do in fact collide with these big political political dates how do you think donald trump will handle doing both fine he's donald trump (laughs) that's a good answer fine you'll be great (laughs) yeah he's gonna be fine i think that it's not fair i don't think it's right i think that if he wasn't leading in the polls i would be more concerned but um you know i think the american people see what's happening they're trying to time up do i think it's fair no do i think that he's gonna that it's it's it should be allowed no How's he going to handle it as as best as anybody would or could? He's a very resilient person. He has um, the ability, unlike Sleepy Joe, to stay up and <laughs> fight longer than anybody I've ever seen. He could get to a rally, but that doesn't mean that it's fair or it should happen. He should have the same opportunity to rally and be with his people and, and get out there on his campaign like everybody else. And it's election interference when you stop people from doing that. Last 60 seconds, Alina Hobb again, the uh, terrific Trump attorney, really terrific. Uh, CNN, you can always trust them. So the day after he gets indicted, and, and you're with him every time, whether he's in D.C. or he's in New York, you're always with him on that airplane. So you know how he's feeling, what's going on. CNN reported, Alina, the next morning that Donald Trump was angry. He was in a bad mood. He was yelling at people. He was pissed. Now, I know not as well as you do, but and I know he does get pissed. He does get pissed. But I find it hard to believe that that was his attitude, his behavior all day. You were with him. Was that him? Um, I didn't see him yell one time. (laughs) My seat was one seat away from him. And in fact, he was on calls perfectly calm. The entire time. So, unfortunately, fake news, CNN, watch what you say. The people on the plane will correct you. That's right. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I don't even know why people watch that stuff. You know, they, they make up stories. But I was sitting there literally one seat away from the man talking with the lawyers, having an absolutely normal. Unfortunately, this is normal for him. So, yeah, yeah, no, that, yeah. that was not what was occurring. Sorry. Well, well you were great uh, here. Great on Fox News this morning as well. Thank Continued you. success. Thank you. And uh, Thank you, I'll see you one of these days very, very soon. Alina, great job. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Alina Haba right there, Trump attorney, uh, Fox News, and sitting friends in the morning. That is a big hour for Alina Haba this morning, wouldn't you say? I would say so. Still lots more to come, including Dr. Mark Siegel and Roger Stone sitting friends in the morning on a Monday 
Roll When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. Friends, how many of us have them? 77 WABC. Our life together is so precious. Together we have grown. We have grown. Although our love is still special Let's take a chance and fly away Somewhere alone It's been too long since we took the time No one's to play in time flies so quickly Lou, you're coming Friday night, right? You and uh, MJ? Is the plan, yes. Where'd they down? And uh, what T-shirt are you going to wear? <laughs> <laughs> I should never have told you If that. you don't like it. <laughs> Is it going to let me in the theater? No, let you in. That was my buddy Anthony Barbarese who made those shirts. I like when listeners make us shirts, like Patty and her husband and Anthony Barbarese. I love that stuff. I wear those shirts all the time. Not today, of course, because I look so handsome when I do the radio show. Or yesterday when you're texting me. You wore nothing. I had nothing on, right? No, no I had a bathing suit on. I was at the beach, Lewis. I don't go to the naked beach. I oh. go to the, you know, okay. my wife and kids. Well, and... all that just helped out a lot. <laughs> Thanks for adding that. Well, you still been at the beach, too. But how are you doing looking for lighting fixtures? Well, when your kitchen light doesn't go on, that's what you have to do. So well, yeah, Otherwise, you to... you're in the dark. But why at 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the nicest part of the day? Why couldn't you go early in the morning or late at night? I don't understand. Okay, I can write out my agenda for you if you'd like. You didn't fight with MJ over this? No, we had to go get a light. I mean, you know. Well, how long did it take you? It takes a while. There's some stupid wire that's not connecting. That's all I know. I don't don't know anything. Don't you have a superintendent? You don't own that apartment. Right. Well, we do own it. Oh, you do own it? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I thought it was a lease. uh, It was a rental. No, but they still will help. So why don't you have somebody else do it while you're at the beach? (laughs) I mean, you're a famous radio guy. It's embarrassing. Who goes to a lighting fixture store when it's 80 and sunny on a Sunday? Everybody's at the beach. And my guy is in a lighting fixture store. Did you even buy a light? Well, we bought things that did not work, so... Now you got to go back. Of course. What or a I gotta get something. God, I mean, Jesus, Lewis. Uh, well, okay, you, you're you sending shirtless pictures out, and I'm in a light <laughs> store. No, no, I, don't, I didn't send them out. I sent it to you just to break your balls. 
Okay. Well, that certainly did it, so mission accomplished. Come to the beach with us next weekend if you want to. Christ. I the mean... movie on Friday night, and then if the weather's nice on Saturday or Sunday, you can come to the beach. And then if you want, like 4 o'clock, we'll leave the beach. We'll go by lights together. How about that? Okay. Well, what a great deal. <laughs> Sounds like a great when, time. When did I ever say I don't like working with you? This is fantastic <laughs> stuff. Thank We're not going to get in this. Where were you? What uh, what horrible town were you? I'm not going to tell you. It was, you. You called it. It was all beer, no juice. Catatonia, one of those? It was, yeah. It was even north of Catatonia, beyond, I think, right? Beyond that, yes. Oh, my God. Yeah. You'd be more familiar with the area. You know. You went I don't know it at all. Okay. No. So w- was it family or just? Yeah, it was it was. Is that MJ's sister or something? No. Well, this was a different area. Friends. No. Friends. Oh, these are friends. They have money. You have friends three hours away in upstate New York. That's all vacationing. <laughs> Oh, you went on a vacation together. Well, there. Oh, you in, swapped. We're in different. Yes, that's exactly. Wow, how did you guess? Wow, that's awesome, bro. It is. I, I had no idea you and MJ did that. Oh, sure. Long time back to Plato's Repeat and all that. Plato's yeah. Retreat. Plato's Repeat and Retreat. We you did them both many times. No wonder you're so happy together. That's right. Of yeah. course, we have the secrets. <laughs> Light fixtures and repeat. You know, Bernie told me that about you, and I was like, Nah, not Louis. Like Sid, I'm telling you, the guy swings. <laughs> now it's clear. You go to these these little towns in New York, you run away. Sure. Bernie, Nothing else huh? to do up there but maybe jet ski and swing. Well, I'm glad Bernie told you all the secrets. Yes, Bernie That's did tell me all that. That's great. Well, I'll check with him. Uh, I will check with him. <laughs> yeah, okay, when? Okay, well, then, Hopefully it's going to take a long time. Another day. Well, <laughs> if he was alive, I'd check with him. He, uh, what is, uh, Bernard passed away in October. He passed away. Oh, I know when it was. It was Yum Kipper. Right. Because that night we had just broken the fast and Breen called me. And I knew he would not be calling me on Yom Kippur to say, I hope you had an easy fast. No, no, no that was not going to no. be a good No, and call. I missed a call. I remember I was in bed. I go, oh, my God, Danielle, I just missed a call from Mike. And I had spoken to Bernard one week earlier. And you remember I came to her crying that next morning because I knew, despite what management was telling us, he's going to come back on the air. I go, I just spoke to him last Wednesday. He sounded a lot like Jimmy Kahn's character in Brian's song, Brian Piccolo, that bad. I was at the book signing at, uh, what's that place out there in, uh, Long Island? Uh, my buddy there, uh, oh God, what's it? The warehouse, the first America warehouse. And he called me, Bernie. And I told him the next day, I said, uh, well, there's not a lot of time left here. I remember when you came in. Yeah. Well, I was guy. pissed because he's coming back on there going, he's not coming back on the air. Not the guy I spoke to last night. And then he died a week later, so. We're not that uh, long away from one year to the uh, to the day that he died. That's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy, and uh, we love him and miss him and all those things. And you know, the show is doing great, thank God. And people say, "Oh, Sid oh, thinks the show is great without Bernie." I, I never said that. Fine, and the show is doing great. What do you want me to tell you? But that doesn't mean we don't miss Bernard, the person, the talent, all of it. I miss him a lot, a lot. What you guys don't know is what happened off the air with me and Bernie. Off the air was even a better relationship than on the air. Long talks and very, very personal conversations, both of us, that you don't even know about and never will. I miss that guy. All right, we've got uh, fourth and final hour coming up. Let's head to Nome with the news. Take a trip somewhere far, far away. Sid and friends in the morning. 77 WABC.
think I want to have sex with Mark and Suelos. Swear to God. We're still on this, huh? Not even gay. No. No. Oh, I like this song. Be quiet. Okay. It's a CCR, right? No. Marshall. Go with that. <laughs> yeah, go with yeah, that. But you love the song. That's right, Marshall Crenshaw. Didn't you smoke weed with him, too, like um, the we guy from uh, the band? We didn't smoke. Oh, you did coke? No, we didn't do that either. We took shirtless pictures of each other. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of Mark and Suelos. Yeah, you have like, been drooling. My uh, look at that smile. Like I, mean, the guy, the guys, I mean, Kelly Ripper's a, a pretty woman. Yeah, She's no baby. Good. Yeah, he looks good. But he, right, he, he's tan, he's yoked, he's got white, white teeth. Spends an hour and a half in a makeup chair every morning. Uh, yeah. bro, that's not makeup. He's a good, I've met him personally in fights in Vegas. He's a great looking guy, but yeah. he looks you know maybe he looks great on TV. I, of course he looks great on TV. You think you could look great on TV? I do. I don't know, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> Talking about TV, I was on with no makeup because the truck came to my house. You know, Fox News sends a truck to my house because I'm not coming into the city anymore. I come in, in the morning for this show, which I love, and then I go home. And I'm on the beach in Queens. I'm not coming back to the city. So my last two times on Kill Mead Show and on Lawrence Jones on Saturday, this uh, cool guy, Connor, comes to my house in a truck. It's awesome. Only Waters makes me come in. And they park outside my front door. I walked out in shorts, I swear to God, a button-down shirt and a jacket. And I sat there and did the whole interview. You'd never know I was not in a studio in Manhattan. And then the guy went home. He drove his car home, and I walked to the beach. It was great, but there's no makeup. Didn't matter. It was a great segment. And right before I came on, they ran a video, did Lawrence Jones, of him walking the streets by the Roosevelt Hotel with Curtis Sliwa, who's a national treasure and a hero, and my next guest, Dr. Mark Siegel. And they walked up and down this row of folks. And Siegel, who was really great, talked about all the health issues with some of these migrants, which we never talk about. We talk about Obviously, the safety issues, we talk about running out of room, we talk about jobs. No one ever talks about health. And I thought Siegel was great. So with that said, here he is, my good buddy from Fox News, the great doctor, Dr. Mark Siegel. Siegel, good morning, buddy. How are you? Great. Now, before we get to the whole issue of the migrants, you always set things up so beautifully. We can't talk sports today the way we usually do because our New York teams are so horrible. And, it, and it's not yet Nixies, and even the Yankees are losing now. So, but but I but I want to talk makeup with you, Sid, because uh, you just set that up. I, I uh, have to tell you that I was on the streets with Lawrence, but I still had my makeup on from outnumbered, <laughs> and we, ta- we we taped that the day before. So I think of these things. Now you have a perennial tan, right? So you don't need you don't need a drop of makeup. I mean, you can't bitch about no makeup. <laughs> No, I did. I did look very, very tan. I did look very tan on Saturday I mean, during. You need, you need less than anybody. I mean, you you look ready to ready to for prime time. Well, thank you. I bet Jesse doesn't even give you any makeup. They're like, here comes Sid. Keep the makeup. We got to save a few dollars here. You know, you would think but, so, but I actually asked to do it because it's like a whole experience for me, and I like the makeup girls. You know, so I end up going in there anyway because we have nice conversation. But you're right. The tan does make my makeup very, very quick. And it, it did work on Saturday. And you look great. I know you had makeup on from Outnumbered. I love that show, too. Uh, you look by, great. By, by the way, the makeup, the pro- you're right about the process of having make- makeup put on. It's such a relaxing experience. Right. I agree with that. 
It's great. The makeup girls are great. The makeup girls are phenomenal. They're friends of mine. Oh, the best conversation, uh, whether it's Fox News, my friend Maureen across the street, Maureen Makeup, these are the best conversations, no doubt about it. But you look great. great. I know Maureen Maureen for many years. Oh, she's she's terrific. She's the best in the business. And you you had a very important segment, uh, Dr. Siegel. You talked about some of the health issues, some of the disease, some of the, the issues that these people bring with them wind up outside the Roosevelt Hotel, which nobody else is talking about. Tell my listeners about that. Well, first of all, I don't consider – well, I agree with every listener out there that this is a monstrous uh, national security problem, you know, that's going on in this country because I come from uh, – we all come from immigrants, Sid, and all of them were checked on the way in, and all of them – didn't say uh, asylum, asylum, asylum. They had uh, to go through legal methods of getting in here. But one of the methods was to be checked for health issues. And we're talking 1903. You had to actually, they had to actually feel your throat to see if you were, had a tuberculosis of the throat, which is called scrofula. And that was, that was done over 100 years ago. Now we don't check at all. So the, I, I take that slice of the immigration problem that we're letting people into the country that have health issues. Then you know, when they're up here in New York and the mayor says, oh, come on up, we're a sanctuary city. Well, he didn't ask me and you where they were, we're a sanctuary city, by the way. He didn't ask us, because if he had asked me if, if we were a sanctuary city, I'd say, mayor, there's still there's a lot of rats on the street here and a lot of garbage that isn't being picked up. And by the way, mayor, your shelters are full. Now, Sid, I'm one of the fans of the shelter system in New York City. I'll tell you why. Not everybody is. But I am because when I trained at Bellevue Hospital, we didn't have a shelter system, and we had to bring in a lot of homeless from the streets. And they were sick from being on the streets, especially in the winter exposure or hot in the summer exposure. And I actually uh, helped somebody into the hospital the other day. It was right in front of my office because they were, it, he was a migrant. And here's my point. The shelters are full. So if you get 100,000 people from the southern border up here, they're going to live on the streets. And not in the shelters. And if they're on the streets, they get exposed to the heat. They get dehydrated. They get uh, sleepless. They they have problem with diarrheal disease from from uh, you know from from no sewage. I mean, you, there's not yes. a toilet in sight out there. No. And then and then there's the risk of, of of all kinds of other diseases being passed back and forth. And infections too. I know you talked about and rats. Well, they carry diseases too. Let's go right. And that's going to happen. Typhus is coming back. Uh, you know, we're going to have inf- influenza. We, the, people from the southern border coming across are bringing Chagas disease. Now, that's that's a that's passed by a bug, so you're not actually going to spread that person to person. But they are going to spread scabies, and they are going to spread COVID still, and and they're going to spread measles because not all of them have vaccines. I mean, what are we kidding? I'm pushing for vaccines. And I'm one of the ones pushing for vaccines, but nobody coming across the border has them. Uh, yeah, yeah. And it's, it's ironic. I think back to the COVID days, and it's kind of like the early days of AIDS. Remember that? Like like people were afraid to play basketball with Magic Johnson because they thought if he was on the court, you would just get it. And then COVID, it was, it was kind of the same thing. You couldn't wear enough masks and, and, and six feet away. And yet these migrants are sitting there, and even people like you walk right up to them. You have no idea what these people got. Why aren't you equally as afraid to approach one of these people as you did a COVID patient or an AIDS patient? Uh, more so, more so. I mean, there's also resistant tuberculosis because they get partly treated in Central America, and when they come across the border, they doesn't completely get rid of it. So we have tuberculosis. There's more sexually transmitted diseases now, and there were kids there that looked so sad 
and so sweet. It's not, you know, you, you, your heart goes out for them, but you're thinking, where am I, where are they going to go? You know, where are they going to go? The Roosevelt Hotel, I can't imagine, has, has a single occupant right now. No, you know? no, they probably don't. So you mentioned uh, some of these folks come across with COVID. Last time you were on, about uh, two, three weeks ago, I told you there was some politician who said, ha ha, all you silly people taking off your mask and you think COVID is over. Guys like Sid Rosenberg, who called it basically an overhyped story for three years. Oh, you're going to see it's coming back and it's going to be worse than ever. Now, somebody did say that, a big time politician, based on what science, I don't know. But then again, I don't know what science the CDC, the WHO, any of these organizations used over the last three years. Is he right? Are we going to get clobbered once again? I think he needs a lot of makeup, a lot more than you do. When he goes on TV, the guy is so pale. I mean, bronzer. He he needs bronzer. But but uh, you know, and, and no, we're not we're not getting a big COVID surge. I'll give you five reasons. But basically, we got a lot of immunity now. We got immunity from prior infection, which nobody talked about in this country for three years. I talked about, you know, others talked about that. Basically, when you got COVID, it gave you immunity. That's what happens with flu. We lay down a bedrock of immunity from prior infection. We have that now with COVID. Plenty of people took vaccines. That helps a lot. Uh, vaccines tend to wear off after a while. So that's a whole other discussion about whether, whether people in high-risk groups should take a new vaccine in the fall. But right now, we're in a situation where we have a lot of immunity in the country. And the variants, the subvariants, again, not a topic of conversation for politicians, but the subvariants are milder. It's an upper respiratory infection now. It's no longer deep in the lungs. So you're not losing your sense of smell and taste that much. You're not getting long COVID from these strains, and you're not ending up in the hospital. Very, very, very unlikely. 7,000 hospitalizations from COVID last week in the entire week in the entire country. And that's way, 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 way down. It is not coming back. It's here to stay. But it's here to stay in kind of a smoldering way, kind of like some of the other diseases we deal with. So, you know, we've known that for a while, Sid. We've yeah, known that for a yeah, while. Yeah. I'm still surprised, Dr. Mark Siegel. Uh, I was just talking moments before you came on about Bernard, and we're coming up in about two months on one year since we lost him to cancer. Uh, you know, I saw Michael J. Fox yesterday on with Jane Pauley on CBS, and He's alive, but he's got Parkinson's, and when he doesn't take his medication like yesterday, he was a mess. I mean, just an absolute mess. Uh, I've, I had a friend who just lost somebody from Alzheimer's. I'm shocked by the diseases that are out there today that we still don't really have a cure for. I mean, I know we've made, made some, some headway and we're able to at least, uh, to a certain extent, keep people alive, but I'm still shocked there are no cures for lots of these diseases. Are you? I think we've made a lot of progress. I think lately we're going in the direction of being able to diagnose them earlier with blood tests, with abnormal proteins. You mentioned Parkinson's. The Parkinson Foundation, Michael J. Fox, has done such tremendous work for the world. Can you imagine that guy like him was a great, great actor, then he, then he can't, you know, he ends up with this terrible affliction, and he channels that energy into th- this great research. And one of the By the way, just to emphasize up, your point, he's had that foundation now for 23 years and to your point, they've raised $1.5 billion, and he purposely does not take his medication when he does these interviews so folks like me and me at home can watch him and see just how severe his case is. That's so admirable, so admirable. And, and what they've discovered is 
a protein that tells you you have it way in advance. So now that they found that, they got to combine that with a therapy. This is to your point. And the therapy is going to be genetic-based because here's where we're actually heading with treatments. We figured out that, the, that the, your genes can be okay, but they don't express themselves well. It's called epigenetics. That's what leads to disease and aging and Alzheimer's. So you have some something in your genetic programming that when it expresses itself, it doesn't do it perfectly. We can fix that. We're learning to fix that. We're learning treatments to fix that. We're going to have treatments for Parkinson's and Alzheimer's. The problem with Alzheimer's is you get clogged up with these proteins, and we now have the ability to block their formation. But, Sid, big side effects. And this is something you, you focus on and you and I talk about, which is what's the, what's the side effects here of, of what you're offering me? Should I take it? Well, what are the side effects? And the, the treatments for Alzheimer's that are getting all the big attention have a lot of side effects, and they only help a little. We're not mm. there yet. Mm. But with the genetic approach, we're going to get there, definitely going to get there. Uh, Dr. Mark, you're the best. You were great. Uh, you're always great on Fox News. I love what you did uh, with Lawrence on Saturday, and even better here today, pal. I love you. Thank you so much. By the way, Lawrence is a great human being. i got to say he is a great human being. He is a great dog, by the way. Lawrence is a wonderful dog, a German Shepherd. But uh, I'm a German Shepherd's. One last thing. Can you believe the White House with that German Shepherd biting people? Can't they even, can't they even train a dog? I know. I know. And, and, and for the most part, they're such docile, beautiful dogs. They can't even get that right. And you're right about Lawrence. He's a terrific guy. It's my first time on his show, but I really enjoyed it. And I'll do it again very soon, just like you'll be back on this show very soon. Thank you, Dr. Can't Mark. Wait. All right, pal. Thank you. There he is, a great Dr. Mark Siegel. Check him out on Fox News. Big sports guy. He brought up the Mets, no good. The Yankees, no good. He's a big Nick guy. Has season tickets. Takes me and my son to a bunch of games. But that's still far off. Jets and Giants right around the corner. But I guess the big sports news this weekend was these anti-patriot women, these uh, no good Americans, who did lose. And uh, from me and most of my friends, we were happy they lost because they hate this country. I'm not sure my next uh, guest <laughs> feels the same way. NJ Diet lose a contractually guaranteed 20 to 40 plus pounds in only 40 days. 855-5NJ-DIET, njdiet.com. Here every Monday at about this time, Dr. T, Arthur Turovic. So there it was, uh, Arthur. Me, me and my crew are actually happy that the women's soccer team lost. I don't know if you so are. I got to tell you, I got to tell you something. I was, I don't know, I think you know this, but I was, I wasn't born in this country. I came here as a Russian immigrant in 1978. Uh, from the former Soviet Union, and we were, we my parents who were extremely patriotic, uh, raised me to always root for the Americans regardless of anything else that was going on. And I gotta tell you something: these annoying yentas on this women's soccer team made it absolutely <laughs> impossible to do that. I mean, I everything that. they did, yep. everything they did was just made you hate them. Uh, and uh, I, I find myself, yeah, rooting against them. Couldn't wait for them to get kicked out. I mean, a couple of years ago with the kneeling, now they stand there, they don't sing the national anthem, they don't put the, the – like everything they're doing is just to annoy everybody. And that celebrating after they barely got out of the knockout stage and the annoying celebration and everything else, 
I tell you what, I think a lot of, and in talking to a lot of people, I think a lot of people agreed with us that they couldn't wait for them to get kicked out already. Although there was one, I did think about you because you, like my executive producer, Justin Ellick, you're a diehard Philadelphia Eagle fan and the former great Super Bowl champion tight end for the Eagles, now in Arizona, Zach Ertz. His wife, Julie, one of just five players, along with Dennis Rodman's daughter, uh, Trinity, and the captain, Alex Morgan. Ertz, at least, was one of the women that did, in fact, sing the national anthem. So your Eagles looked pretty good during this tournament. They did look good. We we we, we represent when we need to represent our <laughs> Eagles, you know. We do, we do the right thing. And speaking of, the, speaking of Philadelphia and Pennsylvania, uh, the Jets, uh, both guys, Terrell Revis and Joe Klecko, uh, both from Pennsylvania, got into the Hall of Fame. Klecko played in Philadelphia for Temple University. Uh, tremendous player after 30 years, finally gets into the Pro Bowl. Uh, what do you make the Pro Bowl from three three different positions? Is that right? Him and Frank Gifford, I think. No, he's the only defensive lineman ever to go to the Pro Bowl playing at all three spots. Uh, Gifford did play running back, wide receiver, but Klecko all from the defensive line and you're right, yeah. he did play at Temple. His son, Danny, also went to Temple University, also became a pro, played for the Pats and the Colts. And uh, he's the all-time greatest Jet defender. Revis, terrific, great player, deserving Hall of Famer. Yeah. Mark Gastineau should be in the Hall of Fame, too. But Joe Klecko is the best they've ever had, no question. And, yeah, unfortunately, Revis wins his one Super Bowl with the hated uh, yes. England Patriots. So who do the Eagles take on this weekend, your first preseason game? I don't know who do they play. You know what? I haven't even ch- I haven't even gotten into that mode yet. I'm just kind of I'm still kind of in summer mode. I, I have to get into the Eagles mode this week. Uh, get into it with my my 15 year old who's, who's going to go crazy, and we're going to get get uh, get cooking. I don't know who do they play. They play the Ravens. They, they they play the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that's coming you know, up. This, it's all yes. nonsense. This preseason stuff is all a bunch of nonsense. Uh, not for me, baby. I can't wait. Giants and Lions on Friday night. Let's go. My baseball season's over. The Mets are done. So let's, you, you no, have the Phillies. Good. You're still alive, but I'm done. <laughs> yeah, no, the Phillies, I'm, I'm still in baseball mode. I, I get into the, you know, once the season kicks off, then I really start going. But this preseason stuff, I don't know. I, I can't watch it. It's all a, right. There's Fair enough. I can watch football preseason, uh, college. It doesn't matter. I love it. Arthur Turbitz is always terrific job. Again, folks, office here every Monday. Lose 20 to 40 plus pounds. Contractually guaranteed. NJ Diet and 8555NJ Diet. We'll take a short break when we get back. He's been killing it on Sundays here at the station. Moved him up to a two-hour show. He's doing that well. Roger Stone makes his second visit. Coming up after this. Let it break. 
Talk Radio 77 WABC. This is Sit and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. <laughs> I love this. There we go, folks. It's been a great show already. Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Lee Zeldin, Trump attorney Alina Hava came right here after Fox News. Dr. Mark Siegel. And we got a guy coming on right now that is kicking ass on this station, folks. Every Sunday from 3 to 5, my man lays it down. Ain't no BSing with this guy. They came at him, but they came at Trump. Come on. Frogmen, SWAT teams, helicopters. <laughs> I mean, they came after him harder than Pablo Escobar. So when he talks two hours on Sunday, plus he's good friends with Trump, a man knows what he's talking about. He's Roger Stone making his second visit to Sid and Friends in the morning. Roger, good Monday morning. How are you, pal? Sid, great to be with you. Great to have you, too. I did have Alina Haba on Trump's uh, attorney about 45 minutes ago, and uh, we talked about a couple of things you and I will speak about. Firstly, the DOJ requesting this protective order uh, from Trump's attorneys by 5 o'clock this afternoon. They don't like the fact that Trump is out there yelling at Jack Smith and nervous he may, I guess, uh, you know, put so, some documents on social media. I don't know. To me, it sounds like a First Amendment deal that Trump should have, but Nevertheless, it looks like the Trump attorneys will have to do it. Not much of a choice. Your thoughts? Uh, This is exactly, of course, what they did to me. You see, first they gag you, then they lynch you. This is exactly how it works. So the judge in my case gagged me, meaning I couldn't offer any public defense of myself. CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, The Washington Post, they they could dump a load of dung on me every single day calling me a Russian spy, calling me a traitor. But if I defended myself, said, well, I might be I might be tainting the jury pool, although in D.C. it's impossible to taint the jury pool because the jury voted 93 to three for Hillary Clinton uh, at that point. Right. So uh, it's it's unconstitutional. But in my case, we even appealed it. And the district appeals court sat on it until the day before my trial. In other words, and then they denied it. Uh, They upheld the gag rule. So, yes, as outrageous as it is, they will try to hobble Donald Trump's campaign for president by limiting his free speech. The good news is I think his lawyers are prepared to uh, to uh, to oppose it and then to appeal immediately. Uh, if they are overruled. Right. They'll, they'll uh, send the papers in today to comply, and then they will try to oppose it because that's part of Donald Trump's appeal. That's why he gets elected all the time is because he speaks, and we want him to speak. So I heard this uh, this fat Chris Christie say something, some of these shows this weekend, that there's no reason why Donald Trump should not trust Tanya Chunkin. I'm like, what? He She hates him. 
Lindsey Graham was exactly right when he when you said that about her last week. She wants to put every January 6th protester, not rioter, in jail for the rest of their lives. She's voted against Donald Trump on other occasions. Of course, she needs to be recused. Odds are she wouldn't recuse herself. But that does need to happen for, for Donald Trump to get a fair trial. Or else, Roger, there's no way he'll get one. Is that fair to say? Well, uh, the judge made a, a when she was in private practice, of course, she was a partner in the same law firm as Hunter Biden. She and her husband made massive contributions to Barack Obama, as did her mother-in-law. And in return, she and her husband both got appointed to the federal bench. She is, of course, the judge who withheld the the uh, the uh, documents that showed that the Steele dossier was a fugazi uh, from Donald Trump back during the Russian collusion hoax. So, but let me, this is another case where I also moved uh, to recuse the judge in my case because of her constant attacks on Donald Trump from the bench. Uh, and that was also denied. Said the, the, the swamp runs very, very yeah, deep. Yep, yep. And that's why the venue change, I know Donald is on Records saying, I'd love to move this from D.C. to West Virginia. Others uh, like Alan Dershowitz told me even Virginia would be better than D.C. But then then again, and I know you know this personally again, Roger, odds are slim to none, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a fixed game. I mean, they're in the District of Columbia, uh, by the way, you can even gag the lawyers. So, uh, Trump's lawyers may not be able to speak in his defense in the case. It's one of the few federal districts where that is allowable on a rather under a rather arcane rule. No, this is a killing field. Uh, and they actually brought this charge. You know why? Because they're afraid that Trump might actually get acquitted in the Florida case, in the Mar-a-Lago documents case, where it's very clear that under the 1977 Presidential Documents Act, Donald Trump is a former president and as president can do whatever he wants with his documents. And the judge who upheld that, Judge Amy Berman Jackson, actually the judge who sat on my trial, she said Bill Clinton could do anything he wants with his documents, including keeping them in his sock drawer. So once again, we see the two-tiered justice system. One set of rules for thee, but not for me. I mean, really, the, the Biden stuff seems so much more biting, Roger, than anything they've got on Donald Trump. They've got reams of what looks like real stuff against Hunter and Joe Biden, and they don't, or the media at least, they don't talk about it at all. And legally, we've seen very little. I mean, a slap on the wrist of a not paying his taxes, a relative slap on the wrist for the uh, for the felony gun charge. We see nothing with the Bidens and Trump. They indict at every moment. How could any rational person, listen, if you're a Trump guy, I get it, you're knee deep. If you're a Biden guy, but how can any rational person with no political agenda not see what the hell is going on here, Roger? Well, in the case of the Bidens, we see uh, hard evidence of extortion, uh, bribery, money laundering, influence peddling, illegal lobbying, and let's just say it, treason. When you take million-dollar wires from China, Russia, Ukraine, uh, Romania, uh, yet there's a pattern here, Sid. I mean, uh, on March 17th, Hunter admits the laptop is real. On March 18th, they indict Donald Trump. Uh, on on July 6th, uh, we learn about the first bribe of the F- from the FBI of the Bidens. On the very next day, Trump is indicted. 
uh, on, uh, you know, just, just goes right on down. Yeah, July 31st, same thing, right? July 31st, uh, Archer speaks, Devin Archer speaks, then boom, Donald Trump indicted in D.C. You're right. It's every single time. And so next week, according to Lena Hobbes, she said the same thing. He's going to get indicted again for Georgia. So I would expect another shoe was going to fall against Joe Biden, right? Uh, there's no doubt about it. They must be they must be worried about new revelations regarding Biden. The Georgia thing is uh, another fugazi. I have read the entire transcript of this phone call. Trump does not tell the secretary of state, go out and find eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy votes. What he says is you have already inadvertently counted eleven thousand eight hundred and seventy votes illegally. 5,000, some out of them are convicted felons and not eligible. Another 1,200 moved out of the state and are not eligible. When you deduct those from the totals, I win Georgia. That's not the same as going out and and saying, go out and find or manufacture 11,000 votes. Uh, And this this prosecutor, uh, another Alvin Bragg wannabe, I mean, just funded by Soros, all kinds of ethical problems. It's a political hit, just another political hit. You are 100% right. The way you just talked about his phone call, Roger, and this is why you're doing great here, you're 100% right. So most importantly, you went from one hour on Sundays, Roger, to two hours because people love you, and you're doing a great job getting all the way back to your first show when you had Trump on. You having fun? I'm having a great time. I love everybody at WABC, and it said it's an unbelievable lineup. People need to get the 77 WABC app in their phone because they shouldn't miss any of your show or mine for that matter. Well, you're kicking ass, and I love having you on. We're going to get you by more often, to be honest. Congratulations on your success on 3 to 5 every Sunday afternoon. Keep coming back here. You, Roger Stone, are a great American. Thank you so much. Thanks, Sid. God bless you, and have a great day. You too, the great Roger Stone. This is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Entertaining and informative. Oh, you're my best friend. 77 WABC. Howard Jones, 9.52 on your Monday morning. So went fast to me. Felt like it went fast. I did not mention that a dear, dear friend of the family, so close, I called him uncle. You know you have those friends and my next-door neighbors in Brooklyn. Basically my whole life, 30-plus years before Danielle, I lived at 2216 Quentin Road, and right next door at 2212 Quentin Road lived the Iovines. And you guys have heard me talk about Joseph Iovine, my best friend for the better part of 48 years. 48. He lives in New Jersey now with his wife, Tina, and his own children. And you may remember a couple of years ago, his sister, Danielle, for you guys that really listen, his sister, Danielle, was tragically killed in a car accident with her husband, 
Antonio and uh, with her husband, with her husband Albert and their 16-year-old son Antonio. You remember that, Justin? The whole family got wiped out in Florida. It was horrible. Horrible, yeah. Went to the funeral that day. Bernard was still here. Um, and they have another uh, two girls, Elizabeth and Nicole. The mom, Gloria, is my aunt. Gloria is the most elegant, beautiful, nicest woman God ever created. Her husband, not so much, but we loved him anyway. Uncle Louis, Lou Iovine, and uh, Lou Iovine died on Friday night. So, Lou Iovine and my father, Harvey, were neighbors and, and dear, 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 dear friends. And I grew up, you know, Uncle Louis was like a second dad to me. In fact, his father, Joseph, was a big-time attorney, consigliere, actually. I used to sleepwalk out my front door at 2216 Quentin Road and go sleep in his father's house at his mother, Olympia. They owned the house before then Gloria and Lewis and Joseph, Danielle, and Lizzie moved in before Nicole was born. And uh, Lewis passed away. So, you know, it's save this all the time. You, you live long enough, and you see a lot of people that you knew, that you loved, that were close to you die. I haven't seen a lot of Lewis the last many, many years. Kind of lived his last couple of years Basically, as a recluse with his daughter, Elizabeth, that was it. But uh, rest in peace, Louis Iovine. A lot of folks listening to me right now know exactly who he is. That's really how my weekend started. After that, it was all great. Lenny's Clam Ball, Lawrence Jones, you know, uh, the beach yesterday with Jen and her kids, Ava, Victoria, and Anthony, and me, Danielle, and my kids. It was a great weekend. And here we are, a new week. And a lot going on this week. Thursday night, Louis. I have to go to Joe and Mary Harkin's house on Beach 131 for a Republican Party. You need to be there. I'm ready. The Rockaway Rockaway Republicans. (laughs) Sorry. Yes, QP, Mike Sullivan. That's right, QP. Yes, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, the Rockaway Republicans. You need to be there. Yeah, I do. I'm, I'm going to rearrange a lot of things. You have nothing right to now. do Thursday night. I'm rearranging whatever that was nothing to You're do. You're not coming. Are. You're not I'm, coming. Are you kidding? I'd like nothing more than be able to tell people the next day. I was at the Rockaway Republicans. Yeah, you need to be there. Rocking crazy I got party. news for you. What's Some, in- sometime in September... I'm speaking again at the uh, Metropolitan West Side Republican Club up here on the Upper West Side. You're coming to that, too. Okay. Pick me up. That's right. there. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> of course. That sounds fun. It does but sound fun. even if you don't come Thursday, you're definitely coming to see the movie on Friday, right? That's right. Yes. That's for sure. Of course. Justin's coming, too. Yeah, I know. We just talked about it. We're going to have a big crowd. We're going to yeah. get hammered. Yeah. Really? What? Huh? They don't yeah. serve liquor at that movie theater. Oh, okay. You... Never mind. Then. Oh, well, I have these three flasks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I hey, listen, I don't care. Good, good for you. Good for you. There's a lot of there's a lot of drinking and drugs in the movie. I work I work with him. Yeah, yeah that's the guy. That's the guy. I work with him. I think Jake Cannavale, who happens to be the son of the great actor Bobby Cannavale, who has a major role in the movie, much bigger than me. He plays Chris Rosenberg. I think he's coming. He actually lives in New York. So we'll see. Uh, we'll have more details. Huge. That's well, gonna be a big night. Very big. But I think we're done for today. Is that it? God, we had such a great show. So many great guests. I mean, we covered all the big stories today. We usually do on a Monday anyway. But once again, I do want to thank Curtis Sliwa, Rich Lowry, Lee Zeldin, Alina Haba, Dr. Mark Siegel, Roger Stone. Lewis, great having you back, buddy. I did miss you. Woo! 
Happy to be back. I'm happy. I'm happy to All see right. everybody. All I right. love everybody. All about the love. <laughs> you sound like Jamie Foxx. Yeah. Hey, uh, Justin, great job as always. Justin Ellick, Noam Layden, always does a tremendous job. God willing, as my friend Gene says, we'll all be back for a Tuesday edition of Sitting Friends in the morning at 6 a.m. tomorrow. Until then, New York City, from all of us to all of you, 